Oh gosh, quit yawning. <laughs> Alright, we're back. From out of space. We were supposed to be doing we wanted to do this Thursday, but Luke said no. He was difficult about it. Listen here, Incel. <laughs> also, Attack on Titan came back yesterday, and we're not No! We're not gonna talk about it. Thank God. Other than I will say this, because I had to watch it because I edit. We're not gonna talk about it as we start talking about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I, this is all I'm gonna say. I watched it because I like edit the Attack on Titan wiki because I'm a mega nerd, apparently. And so I had to watch it for wiki-related stuff to, like, add information and all that about You had to it. watch it? Yes, it's an obligation. So, okay. um, watching it reminded me that this episode adapted one, like, basically what I would... This episode adapted what I would say was the last good chapter of the manga. Oh, it only did a single chapter? No, it adapted, like, four chapters or five oh, so chapters. It, it pulled a promise Neverland. Well, it was an hour long... Well, no, it was an hour long, so it was able to fit everything fine. There were no pacing problems. What I'm saying is one of the chapters it adapted was the last good chapter of the manga. Oh. So Attack on Titan, like we established last week, it, I would argue it was on a decline in quality from all the way back in Season 3, but there were good chapters in there. It was not all bad, and this episode adapted what I would say was the last good one, and I realized that as I was watching it, and I was like, man, it's kind of sad, because I was watching it and being reminded of, like, the series could have been good. Even in that last good chapter that they were adapting in this episode, there were ideas where I was like, if you landed this, it could have been good, but you didn't land it. Okay, so, yeah. now on to what we really want to do, yeah, which so, is, we have our opening segment now, yeah, which is always, Isekai title or craziness? Is Isekai <laughs> title, happy fun time. I mean, I agree, it's always not happy. It's more like why. <laughs> and also, we're not actually giving, we're not actually doing the, a choice thing of is it an isekai or not. No. Partly because we, uh, partly because I picked all of them in front of Luke, so well, he knows. I mean, <laughs> it's not just like I say it's like this or insanity because they literally all sound insane and they literally all are isekais. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, that's the funniest part about it. Yeah. So these are ones that I all ch that I chose all in the last. Like five minutes. Yeah, you chose like five minutes. And I made very, and I made was very careful not to double up. So we got the one from last week, which was just randomly, randomly sprinkled into the middle of the episode because I remembered it halfway through. Now we got an actual opening segment for it, and so the first one we're starting out with is a doozy. The title of this isekai is "Do You Love Your Mom and Her Two Hit Multi-Target Attacks." Once again, we've got gamer lingo in here somewhere. Oh yay! And. Wait, wait, what is this one technically? So it's like... It's a fantasy comedy. Uh, a comedy, so I was like, comedy. Yeah, and I, the idea is that, like, the dude... The main, <laughs> the main character is a... Pause, pause. Speaking of comedy, if you look... You can't see it, okay? So, um, this past week at work, I've started doing something. Okay. And it's starting to, like, ripple uh -huh. into other people. And so we will look at each other, and we'll just... Hold one single finger up, and then we'll do like a half-hearted, like Nazi salute, just for the meme, because we are re referencing the Kingsman movie when um, I think his, his name is not Lancelot. It's um, I can't remember his character, but it's the guy who's training Eggsy. He says Galahad. Galahad, yes. When Galahad says, give me your best impersonation of a German aristocrat, which then, that's what he does. 
And then they do the heel click, which then the poison blade sticks out of the shoe. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We'll just look at each other all the time and just start doing it. I've got like eight people doing it at work. Uh, that... And at one point, I drew on my finger a little Hitler mustache. And then I walked up to somebody and went, too far? I'm I'm not gonna I'm not engaging with this. Why? I don't want to. So I'm moving on from but <laughs> back to the so the gamer lingo in this. I I know a little bit about the Do You Love Your Mom series because it was a big like meme when it came out because everyone was thirsting after the mom in the series. Oh. And so I kept seeing that pop up. But like the premise of the series is like the main character is a gamer or something, and he and his mom get transported into like a fantasy world or something. Where she ends up being more powerful than him, which he's insecure about because he's the gamer and he wants to be the hero, but she's the uh, powerful one and she's just like a ditz who doesn't know anything about games. It sounds horrible. Yeah. So, on to the next one. This one is called The Hidden Dungeon Only I Can Enter. This one isn't super long, but it's that thing where it's 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 not a name. It's just summarizing the series. <laughs> the Hidden Dungeon is a place of legend where rare treasures and items are hidden. Nor the third son of an impoverished? Impoverished. Impoverished. I can never pronounce that particular word the first time. Nor (laughs) the third son of an impoverished royal family who's lost the one job offer he had was lucky enough to hear about this dungeon. Cool. It's got a 6.4 on IMDb. That's not great. Yeah, and IMDb is one of those sites where you've got to, like, try to get below a 7. Yeah. Uh, next one is, so I'm a spider. So what? The main character is a spider, I guess. Uh, I'm uncomfortable already. (laughs) And next one, didn't I say to make my abilities average in the next life? Okay, so the podcast I was listening to... I don't even want to... I don't even want to read the summary of that. I don't care. The podcast that I was listening to uh, earlier uh, in the week literally talked about that. When you're like, so it's kind of good. I'm like, it's not bad. I was like, the name sounds trash. Come on now. <laughs> it, yeah, that, that name. Dude, you, they were talking about Isekai. It's like, it was a full episode, like 30, 45 minutes on isekais alone and i was just like i'd only watched like three of them maybe yeah like rise of the shield hero which i want to watch the first season of it but you can't find it anywhere you gotta actually freaking buy it no and then uh sword art online which i need to finish i don't think that counts as an isekai it actually is even if it get even if like websites counted as that they're wrong it's not the first season, like, literally, is just, like, point-blank East Guy. No, the first season, all of the seasons are like that. Sword Art Online, the premise of Sword Art Online, for people who don't know, is it's, um, it's VR, the first fully v- virtual reality MMORPG is released, and the VR is at such an advanced state in the series that what you do is you put the helmet on, and it's fully immersive, you just lay in your bed and this and the VR headset redirects your brain signals to your character and things so your body doesn't move at all. So it solves that problem of like you see those VR VR games right now where you go and like sets you up in like a treadmill or something like that so you can run in place. Yeah. And this in this series they've solved that problem by like basically having it so just neuro tapping yourself. Yeah, it's neuro top neuro tapping you and on the first day of the launch the creator of the game announces that he has put a he's put a fail safe into the neuro headset so that if you die in the game 
the neuro headset will like destroy your brain in real life and kill you. It'll send a shock into your like head and just put you basically in a coma. Yeah, and if and if someone else in the outside world tries to remove it from you, it'll kill you. And he's taken away the log out button, so you can't just log out. Yeah. And basically the idea is he wanted to create a, a fully immersive world where it's so immersive that you can even die in it. And that's the whole idea of it. The reason I say that's not Isekai is because Isekai is always like you get magically transported to an actual world in another universe. Yeah. This is just VR. Like, I don't accept that as an Isekai. By the standard definition of what an isekai is. They still call it an isekai, though. They're wrong. As everybody is in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, next uh, title. Jesus isn't wrong. Oh, my bad. It's not I right. was second bested yet again. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I thought that I was going to let it slide, and I was like, no, I'm going to say it anyway. That needs to be said. Uh, next title. High school prodigies have it easy even in another world. That made that made me upset reading it. <laughs> Just... I picked that title and reading it out loud made me upset. Ari Ferretta, From Commonplace to World's Strongest. I shouldn't have included this one. I don't think that's that too bad. It's not bad, but I mean it does give you a premise. It gives you the premise, but it doesn't do it in the obnoxious way of like in the obnoxious way of like, do you love your mom? That and time her two I was reincarnated as a slime, something like that. Do you love your mom and her two hit multi-target attacks? Attack on Titan. Or our season, next part three, one part here. One. Our next one here. Like this is like the worst one of them all. Bofuri, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. That is actually the perfect example. Also, I want to read the original title just because I think it's funny to read the stuff in the oh, Japanese. Gosh. The Japanese is Itai no wa ia nano de. That's that actually made more sense to me than the English. So the Japanese sounded better than the English. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it sounded more natural. So the crazy thing is, this one here has an interesting premise from that Isekai episode that I listened to on those that podcast. Okay. <clears throat> the person got in this game didn't know what to do and was afraid and they were like well, i don't understand what to do and i don't want to get hurt mm -hmm. so they literally just start like dumping points into their defense stat to where they're literally unhittable like they take no damage that's so that's interesting but that also doesn't sound realistic i don't know any game where where you can get to a point where you just don't take damage there's few okay. there's few because if I any. I know the ones where sword going at the sword art, sword art online sword art online actually had this as a payoff in one episode where um, the main character Kirito he was fighting a bunch of other characters because they were characters in this game hmm. they ended up becoming player killers they would kill other players because you can you can do friendly fire you can kill other players because that was how realistic the, the but they have to be in non -con they have to be in combat zones. Yeah, you can't do it in a city. Non-combat zones, you can't do damage to other players. But there was a plot point where he was able to basically take single-handedly take on an entire um, an entire group, an entire what's the word you use for players who actually have a it's a clan. Clan, that's yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it was a, there was like six guys that surrounded him and they were all out all out attacking him and, and they looked like the woman who was the head over them was like why is he not dying? And, and then she looked really close at his stats. He was taking damage, but every second he was healing more damage. Yeah. 
Because he was healing more health than they could put out in a second. Because he like because they were like let's say they were level fifty and he was level six hundred. So they <laughs> quite literally. So I like that as a concept more of like you've leveled yourself up so much that you still take damage. But if you're, I don't if, know exactly the whole situation, but I know like she used sure like her defense as like her main stat. Just, yeah. What I, just what I'm getting at if, is if you said it right, I don't like that as much as the idea of like you yeah. you level yourself up so much that you can still take damage, yeah. but it's it's virtually indistinguishable from not taking damage because yeah. you're. Because your HP recovery is so good to at this point that yeah. it outclasses any anything's ability to damage you. Yeah. So, and the thing is, this this one here actually like for some people like they give it an eight or whatever. So yeah. it's not like a horrible. Eight. Well, like, the title well, is just too much. Hold on. This is this is an eight on an anime scale. True. So all anime. This is a listeners. If you everyone listening to this, it is a law of the universe. That anime always gets rated higher than it deserves. So, for example... By 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 understanding, then, an 8 would probably be... You're on IMDb already. No, I'm looking for something specific. Oh, like, anime is, uh, by technicality, like, if it says it's an 8, then it's more like, uh, like a, maybe a 7? Yeah, let's you say like seven max. So I'm looking at the top rated TV shows on IMDb. It's the top 250 list. And I, I, okay, I agree with number two. Oh, absolutely. I've watched Breaking. I watched Breaking Bad for the first time last year. It absolutely deserves number two. Breaking Bad is one of the best TV shows ever made. I would and ha- number seven, Avatar: The Last Airbender, the TV show, not the movie. I am so. I've watched all of Avatar: The Last Airbender. I I. I feel like Avatar The Last Airbender is similar to Dragon Ball in that Dragon Ball's not good, but everyone remembers it being good because they watched it when it was a kid. I'd say Avatar is Avatar is above average, but everyone remembers it as being great. Sure. I like I don't know. So Avatar The Last Airbender, I don't know that that deserves to be number seven above like above Rick and Morty, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, the Last of Us TV show, really? I wasn't going to say that, really. But yeah, Last of Us is number two. Okay, right now, I don't think, I don't think, um, Avatar: The Last Airbender is better than Sherlock. Exactly. So I do not think Sherlock. Would be- Sherlock was fantastic. It was so good. I couldn't bring myself to watch the last episode. Oh, perfect example. Arcane. I will stand by this. Arcane is a better TV show than Last Airbender. But it got an eight point nine. Yeah, but it's ranked lower in IMDb, and that's and hey, it, but I, I'll it, agree with this. Arcane's great, but it's not Batman the animated series, I've which is two ranks higher. I've never Batman I've, the uh, okay, literally one of my childhood shows I watched. I can tell you what they all were: Courage Cowardly Dog, Dexter's Laboratory. Dude, Courage the Cowardly Dog hits different. Dude, Courage the Cowardly <laughs> Dog. Nowadays, I'm like. Oh, dude, this is totally different. Dude. Like, Eustace, you almost relate more to Eustace than you do Courage. Now, here's the thing. My friends and I, I've only been... So, I've only been drunk once my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny. The one time I was drunk was when I wasn't old enough to drink. I have not gotten drunk since then. Obviously. Uh, you yeah, can, you've been drunk more times than I have. You you can credit Jesus for that. Amen. But, um... Hallelujah. So, <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but I, this, I don't know if this was the same night or a different night, but I remember, 
regardless of whether or not it was the night I got drunk, we were drinking. So sure. I was either drunk or I was just hanging out with you... friends and having beers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And we and we decided it was like 11 and we were drink and we were drinking like hard sodas and beers and stuff. And we put on an episode of Curve the Cowardly Dog and I hadn't watched it in like 10 years. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is terrifying." It is. <laughs> and is... we watched it as kids. <laughs> I was like, "This is the creepiest thing I've ever seen." Dude, the one episode that stuck with me the longest was the episode about um uh the ancient like the ancient cursed tablet. Return the slab. That's the one I was thinking of! <laughs> with the weird, like, claymation face? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, that was exactly what I was thinking of in my head when I was describing that night. Because we watched that episode. And I remember... That one, like, was messed up. Dude, I remember... That was the first episode of Courage I ever watched. Me and my friends, at this point, depending on if it was the night I got drunk or not, it, I, me and my friends were eating... We're either 20 or 21. It's one of the two. And I'm sitting there with a hard soda. And that return the, the slab, slab thing comes off. Oh, I, suffer my curse. And I just look at my friends. I'm like, what the? What is this series? I don't remember the series being this weird. <laughs> what is happening? Dude, that episode messed with me for like <laughs> a week and a half. Maybe two weeks. You have and any the, more of this? I do. Uh, they are back there. Sweet. I'll get you one. I'm cool with ha with drinking one of those. Well, actually... We're talking about uh, Sparkling Iced. Yeah, uh, if, if Sparkling Ice wants to, uh, like, sponsor us, I would be more than happy to, like... Is, it, is this exactly the same as the bottles you had? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, just with caffeine. Even better. <sighs> yes, these are wonderful. Uh, Sparkling Ice. We will take a paycheck... Anytime. I, I will do a sponsorship for you. I don't want a paycheck from them. I just want sparkling eyes from them. I, want I a, just want product. I want a paycheck so you can send the product to Luke and the money <laughs> to me. <laughs> but so, like, perfect example. Arcane is phenomenal. I've watched it at least four times now. And I would say without a shadow of a doubt, like, so... But, oh, back to what I was saying, actually. Like, my, the shows I'd watched were Courage the Cowardly Dog, Dexter's Lab, and Batman. Those were the three shows I diehard remember watching. Yeah. All Oh, and Rocket Power. Rocket Power was amazing. But so, on the topic of anime being rated too I highly... I this was the movie there for a second. <laughs> no, this is, these are TV shows. I was about shows. to say, what? Yeah, that, the movie would never get up that high. But so we've got, um, first, anime. Avatar The Last Airbender is not an anime. It is a cartoon. Do not let anyone tell you that, tell you that it is the an anime. The first anime is... Uh, Brotherhood. Yeah, the first anime is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood at number sixteen, which is completely understandable. Yeah, that is that is justified. So we keep going down, and we get to and the next one is Attack on Titan, which I will like shoot somebody at that. Attack on Titan at twenty seven. That is not justified at no. all, even even at its height. Wait, Attack I'm... on Titan is one rank below Arcane. That is that is a travesty. That that shows two things. That shows <laughs> wait wait wait. That's like saying the sequel trilogy belongs in canon. That's like saying that the sequel trilogy is only that's like saying on a on a that's like saying on a one to that's like saying on a one to ten point scale, the original trilogy is a six and the sequel trilogy is like a four. It's like no, the gap is way bigger than that. Yes. Um Arcane should be in the So we're eventually going to do a sh uh, an episode on Arcane because of how magical it is. Yeah. But 
If you want to know anything about it, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's the League of Legends show that they put out following a bunch of characters. But here's... Go here, treat yourself. Pretend that it's not attached to League of Legends, yeah, though. It's just, like, literally, they're just using the license, is what they are. It is a totally different thing. Yeah. Um, and even, like, League of Legends, after Arcane came out, changed their lore. Yeah. They, because they, Arcane was so successful that they were like, you know what... The lore in Arcane is better than the lore we created, so this is this is what we're gonna do. Yeah, Attack on Titan is rated too high, and Arcane is rated too low. Arcane should be. Arcane, I would say Arcane should be top twenty. I think it should be top ten. I, I'm I'm being like, I'm like being reasonable. Here. You're being reasonable. I'm being. Well, I'm saying I'm being reasonable I'm from being, the aspect of like saying. There are other shows that I feel that are probably ranked too low on this because there's other shows that are in the way. Yeah. So an example would be probably... Better Call Saul. Or Firefly. Even though it wasn't as successful, like it had one season Dude, and I then started, a movie. I started the first episode of Firefly because I, I was interested and I just couldn't get into it. I, Some people are that way. I want to try it again though because... Um, and I want to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, too, because I've heard oh that, that gets really... It's from the creator of Firefly. I know. I've heard that it's phenomenal. But for me, I think the problem is this. Like, of the TV shows that there are, they have all the Planet Earth shows in there. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Planet, like, Planet Earth... Planet Earth Planet Earth, Planet Earth 2, and then Blue Planet 2. Like, are all in the top ten. Yeah, Planet Earth... And then The Wire, whatever the heck that is. And so I... I heard, I've heard about Chernobyl... I've heard some people have so much beef with Chernobyl. I've only ever heard phenom I've heard I've only ever heard people gush over Chernobyl. Well, there's a particular guy I follow on YouTube and he's like I have so many problems with Chernobyl. Uh, if if it's just like they say it's not accurate enough to history then it's, that's his thing. Okay, then that's like whatever. Like he he is a history buff. Like people he, like he he's the guy I learn history stuff from. So an example is like there's a um there was a um USS Battleship, or no, it wasn't a battleship, it was technically a dreadnought mm-hmm. that decided to do the gangster lean so it can lob shots further Okay. in World War II. USS Texas, represented. <laughs> <laughs> like, it literally flooded the bottom to, like, the bottom, like, port side or whatever. Yeah. But... Just so we can lob shots further, and it, like, has the longest shot of any ship. You want to know what's funny? What? I'm thinking about the Planet Earth stuff, and I act... I'm of two minds. So there's the there's the one half where I know that the reason Planet Earth 2 is probably as high as it is is because you just got a bunch of like nature nuts out there who are rating sure. it super high. But then there's the other side of me, which is the the writer who really cares about good writing and mm-hmm. consistency, not contradicting yourself. I'm like, a nature documentary is not going to contradict itself. Planet Earth 2 probably does have the most consistent writing out of all these shows because sure. it's just letting a camera well, roll on nature. Th- this, <laughs> this reminds me of... Uh... Benedict Cumberbatch was doing, like, a nature documentary. Benedict Cabbage Patch! (laughs) Bandersnatch Crumble Bunch. (laughs) He's got one of the greatest names, let's be honest. Dude, Mahler did a (laughs) Doctor Strange 2 review, and every time he said Benedict Cumberbatch's name, he would say it differently. Yes, yes. So, the thing is, uh, he did a nature uh, documentary on penguins, and the problem he had was... He couldn't say the word penguins. And every time he went to go say penguins, 
he would do what Mahler did there and just slightly change it. So every time, like, he said it like eight times in a minute. Did he say penguin? <laughs> yeah, he said penguins. <laughs> like, then he went, then he went penguins. Penguin. No, he no, he never called it penguins. Like, he penguins. just called it, like, multiple things but penguins. <laughs> and it was just... Oh, dude, Clarkson's Farm is 37? Oh, I, I was like, what show is that one again? It's Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, Jeremy from, Clarkson. From uh, Top Gear. Yeah. Dude, I have, uh, so I don't, I need to look up, I've been meaning to watch Top Gear. Top so, Gear is actually funny. Dude, it's, it's pretty great. Dude, it's, oh, it's, it's on Netflix! I gotta watch it. It is, they actually have several dude, episodes. So here's the thing, in, in, um, I got, in 33 I, seasons? Yeah. My gosh. And dude, then they got canceled because Jeremy Clarkson got into a controversy on Twitter, like, he, huh? Of all places. Yeah. Well, well, Twitter made a controversy. He wasn't. He wasn't on Twitter for it. But apparently, Twitter he, was like, "Man, I don't like Jeremy Clarkson." And Jeremy Clarkson's like, "And I do not care." Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So, and they, uh, so they, they canceled Jeremy Clarkson, and so Top Gear got canceled, and so then Jeremy Clarkson, James Main, Richard Hammond, all the hosts, and their entire crew, because their entire crew loves those guys. They just to, went and did a different show. They went get... to Amazon and did a show called World Tour. Yes. Which was and, just which was Top Gear. It was literally just as successful. And it was just Top Gear. So, when I, I've not watched Top Gear. I just know it's phenomenal, and I need to watch it. So, one of my favorite things... Hold on, thing... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish what I'm saying. I had a teacher in my... In my freshman year of high school, who whenever he didn't feel like teaching, or if he felt like we were far enough ahead of schedule, he would just put on episodes of Top Gear and show it to us for the day. <laughs> That's how I got introduced to Top Gear. I got introduced to it because of, like, TikTok. Oh, that's crazy. Well, no, but the thing is this, like, they would show, like, the funny moments when, like, they would be pranking each other with their cars or whatever. Yeah. So, like, the one episode where they, uh, they filled up... Uh, one of the guys is campers with water. Yeah. And then when the guy goes to open up the camper, it just bursts all this water out in his face. Freaking hilarious. Oh, I've seen that one. Yes. So I've got I've got three quotes from each of the Top Gear hosts to explain to exempt to sick to what's uh, exemplify exempt <laughs> to show off the comedic feature of this. Yes, show. Yes, for our listeners. One is from Jeremy Clarkson. Clarkson is like he's my favorite. There's a great there's a great joke where Jeremy Clarkson's got old man energy. Where dude, he's old man already. Dude. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is he got old man energy where he will say things that aren't politically correct with reckless abandon and doesn't care if it offends people. Look at his face. Yeah. Duh. And so there's a there's a great clip that I found from Top Gear. I heard it from because Mahler is a huge fan of Top Gear and he was talking about them one episode of EFAP. Uh, every frame of pause. Remember, yeah, that's what it stands for. Every frame for. of pause, yes. Um, and he, there's a, there was an episode where Jeremy Clarkson was like being shown a picture of like a pit crew from uh, a race or something like that, and they all had matching uniforms. I think they were pink or something like that. And he goes, "Oh, they, they just look so gay." <laughs> <laughs> oh, they just look so gay. <laughs> he sounded, he sounded destroyed. He goes, "They just." They just look so gay. <laughs> That's such a Clarkson thing to say, I swear. Next one is Richard Hammond. Which, uh, Hammond is hilarious. Yeah, Hammond. Like, half the time. What's great is Rich, uh, Jeremy Clarkson is like six foot four. Richard Hammond is like five foot six. So when they stand next to each other, it it's looks hilarious. amazing. But, but so there's... 
five seven. Five seven, and then six four. Clarkson is six five. Six five. Oh yeah, so you're like you're exact on the ratio, just one inch off. Yeah, I've I've looked up, I've looked up their their heights before. Okay. Like for this for the same reason that if you ever watch a Penn and Teller sketch where they Dude, do Penn magic, and Teller is a great too. If you ever watch them and you notice the height disparity between Penn and Teller, like if you look at Penn and Teller, so help Teller's height his the top of his head comes up to about peck level on pin yeah and so it's like armpit level right yeah there. he's ar- the top of his head is armpit armpit level on pin just know teller is five foot nine oh i didn't realize that yeah peller teller is not peller. short yeah peller <laughs> teller is not short pin is six foot seven <laughs> pin is just freaking tall pin is ginormous <laughs> it's it's insane. But so back to Richard Hammond. But that's but what what I was get that tangent was to say I looked it up for the same reason. I saw the height disparity. I looked up like is is Tarkson is Clarkson tall or is Hammond short? And it was both. Yes. Clarkson's tall and Hammond is short. Yes. But it, so and then also like what's your third what's your second joke you were gonna say? Yeah, so the Hammond one is they had Warwick Davis. Oh gosh. He, by the way, he was the um what was the he was the he uh, was he was well, the main Ewok in Return of the Jedi. I can't remember the name of the main Ewok. Wicket. Wicket. Yes. Yeah. He was the. I'm main... so upset. I didn't know that. Well, I I knew it, but I wasn't going to say it because most people probably don't know that that Ewok has a name. He's the it, main. It's e- the one that everybody knows who has like this brown kind of cowl. He's on his the main. Face. He's the main Ewok who befriends Leia in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and like so, doesn't Leia hug him? If I remember something correctly. like that. Yeah. I don't. Don't care. Um, so Warwick Davis, the actor who played that Ewok, guested on an episode of Top Gear, and there was one point where they were they had him drive a drive a car, and they were like attaching boxes to Warwick Davis's feet so that he could reach the pedals while he was driving <laughs> or something like that. And at one point, Richard Hammond got really annoyed because of all the work they had to do to get him to reach the pedals. He goes, "Can't can't you just like you?" He's like, "Can't you just like use your mind to to press the pedals?" He goes, "No, I can't use the mind." My mind, what do you think? I'm psychic? And, and Hammond goes, I don't know what kind of powers you people have. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. Okay, is, the, what's the third one now? The, the third one is James May, one Which, from each of them. Okay, to preface James May, like, I love James May the most for one singular meme. He basically opens up this fridge, and he does his own little separate thing. Is it thing. the cheese thing? Yes. That's what I was going to say. It's freaking cheese. So, I heard Mahler, who is a YouTuber, who I've mentioned many times, he's British. Yeah, and you, he, you just, anytime we mention Mahler, just assume he's the guy from Every Frame of Pause, because yeah. basically, this man lives and breathes everything Mahler very, says. Very, very famous YouTuber. He's from Britain, and he went, when he was talking about Top Gear, he said that uh, if a, he said that um, James May is the quintessential British person, and that if aliens ever visited Earth, he would want to nominate James May to represent Britain to them, because James May is the embodiment of Britain. And he used this meme as the example. And I realized, so, my humor, I have come to realize, has been mostly shaped by Sherlock. Dude, that's great. My hum- Like, Sherlock Holmes, anything is great, Yeah, man. BBC Sherlock, but the thing is, I've realized a lot of my humor... Is my deadpan sort of very autistic delivery and interpretation of stuff comes from British humor. Because that's kind of how British humor, 
like Brits do a lot of their humor. Well, and James May is the epitome of that. Where the meme that you're referring to is there's an episode of it's not Top Gear. He it's was, his own little show. That he yeah, does. he was. It was either his own show or he was guesting on someone else's, but it was a cooking related show. And they were doing an episode where they were going to cook with two different kinds of cheeses. And I don't even remember what they were, but they were two different kinds, different names, different flavors, all of that stuff. And they had James May introduce it, and James May walks up holding. One of each cheese in both of his hands, and he just goes, cheese versus cheese. <laughs> That's not the one I'm talking about. The one where he's just standing there, and he's just kind of standing sideways a little bit, and he takes like the block of cheese, slams it on the table, and just goes, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. He just goes, Cheese. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly the kind of thing I would do as a joke. And I no, mind you, I come to realize I'm a British man trapped in a, trapped in an American's body. Well, see, I so I I reap all the benefits of being from the greatest country ever and being from the one country that actually trounced Britain and made them look like clowns. But on the inside, I am a Brit. <laughs> so here's the thing: I have. I have a bit of a dichotomy in me when because you mentioned your humor is like the British like dry deadpan. Yeah. The dichotomy I have is my humor was based off of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. So that like that whole oh my gosh. Oh, dude, that's another thing. So people said for the longest time that I would love Monty Python because their humor is exactly like mine. And when I finally watched. Holy Grail for the first time, I wasn't impressed because I was like, this is just the kind of humor I always see. Which, exactly. Which I go to tell you, like, that's how saturated I am in British humor, where I saw one of the originators of it, and I was like, oh, I've just, this is just my humor, like. You were just like, okay, I've heard all these before. It's yeah, this like... is, this is all me, like, I love the joke, my, the one joke from Monty Python that did get, I'm not saying Monty Python's bad, I'm saying, like. The I, one joke that really got you. Well, I also I didn't laugh at a lot of the jokes. It was just because I had seen I've seen the developed version of that because yes, it's because like that was the raw form, yeah. and then you saw like the concentrated form later on. Like what life. I'm describing is what people say in defense of the Beatles, where they say you don't like the Beatles because they were the raw version. And if you listen to like all the things that improved upon it, I'm like, no, the Beatles are just bad. I feel that way about Led Zeppelin. They're the raw version of a lot of music yes. that came out. Led Zeppelin is that where I respect Led Zeppelin, but I'm not a huge fan of them because I heard all the developed sort yes. of evolved versions of it. But the one part joke in Monty Python that did get me, even though for the most part I was just sort of like, I, I see the humor. It's good humor. It's just, I've already experienced this type of humor developed more fully. Sure. You, you know what I mean? Was the joke where they're on the uh, bridge and they have to say a password. Oh, to yes, get past yes. It. They're trying to uh, the pass the bridge of Kyrbeg. No, it's not. That's the cave of Kyrbeg. I don't remember the name of the bridge, but it's just a bridge. And there's a guy there. He goes, what is your name? Yeah. What is your so, goal? No. Uh, what's. Is your quest? Yeah, it's your quest. He goes, and then the and then the third one is what? You say it. It's your favorite color. No, not that one. The first one. That was the first one. No, the first one was. The what f- is your name? What is your quest? And what is your favorite color? I and the- then Lancelot goes blue, and then he crosses the bridge. Fine. So then he goes to Galahad. Well, I, so whatever order it's in, the joke that got me was when he goes. Oh, the, so the second one then, then was, the Galahad was, comes up. He goes, "What is your uh, was your name?" 
what is your favorite color? What is the average like flight? And, speed? and then the second one was also what is your favorite color? No, I don't. I don't. And then that one there, he's like blue. No, yellow. Ah! Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. That was the joke that got me. Where then, he goes, then the other one, which it was, he was asking Arthur. He goes, "What is the average airspeed of an unladen swallow?" To which the answer was. African or European? <laughs> yeah, and he goes, I don't know. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, but the no, guy asking questions gets chucked off. But no, the joke that made me bust out laughing was when he goes, What is your favorite color? And he goes, Blue. No, green! And he flies <laughs> off. I just started dying laughing that he got he got his favorite color wrong. <laughs> Blue! No, green! <laughs> so... The, the dichotomy I have is my humor is Monty Python. Yeah. And Pauly Shore. I, I was going to guess Monty Python and Jar Jar Binks. No, Pauly Shore. Okay. So, like, one of the movies I watched from a very young age, which I do not think it was probably in my best interest because there was a lot of adult things in it. <laughs> there wasn't any nudity. It was just a PG-13 movie. But I was watching it at age six. Uh, Which was son-in-law. Okay. But, like, going back and watching it, I'm like, man, there's some things I probably shouldn't have known about when I was six. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if I can go back to James May for a minute. James May. Because I wasn't entirely happy. Is he, is he like, your British spirit animal? I if need, you were to have one. I need to actually start watching Top Gear to know, because I have a feeling that Jeremy Clarkson might end up being mine, because <laughs> under... He, you've got this old man energy, too. <laughs> well, I was about to say, under all of the uh, goofy... Uh, British humor of James May, I also have a very cynical, bitter Jeremy Clarkson somewhere <laughs> in me. You mean the smug look he has right here? Yes. The, the attempted smile that just turned out to be a frown with gritted... Just turned out to be a, gr- a frown with gritted teeth. Yeah, but I just... I don't feel like your reaction to the James May joke was good enough. Like, there's something magical about... He oh, has, I, I understand. He you. has two... Ins- you understand, I'm just as saturated... I used to watch Mock the Week for fun. I know, but still, I want to tell that joke one more time. Cheese versus cheese. No, you you, you didn't. No, you already put too much into it. Because what he does is he just straight face. He walks out with two entirely different kinds of cheese. And he just goes, cheese versus cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty great. <laughs> just under- entirely deadpan. Like... But understand, like, one of my favorite comedians of all time was Frankie Boyle. Dude, it would be like, it would be like if I walked up, it would be like legit, Luke, if we were eating dinner and I walked out with a plate of spaghetti and a plate of uh, fettuccine alfredo and goes, Noodles or noodles? Pasta or pasta? (laughs) (laughs) Noodles or noodles? (laughs) Noodles or noodles? (laughs) (laughs) Oodles and noodles? (laughs) Or if I walked out, if I walked out with a Miller Lite... And a uh, Corona in a Michelob. No, oh, a, a Miller Lite in a Corona Extra, and go and go sewage or sewage. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy would fight you on that because he literally loves Corona. And dude, Corona's the Corona is Corona. It's bad for you. It's disgusting, because, bro. Dude, the first time I opened a Corona, so you the, got you got hit with this whiff of like. What is this? Dude, the smell! My friend opened a Corona across the apartment, and I could smell it, and I was like, that is the worst thing I have smelled in, like, the last six months. 
Agreed. What is that? And then I opened one myself and got it right in the face and I was like, this is disgusting. And then I tried it and I was like, it tastes exactly the same as it smells. Like sewage? Worse! <laughs> like roadkill sewage. It tastes like... Close. <laughs> dude, it tastes like it came fresh... <coughs> it tastes like it came fresh out of a toilet. Ooh. Ugh. <laughs> exactly. Urine included. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so... I actually have a bunch of talking points that I wanted to get to this evening. Yeah, I was about actually about to ask you because... You, you went over this with me earlier, and I was only half paying attention. I have no idea what we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, so the thing is, I have five little things here I want to talk about. Mind you, one thing you've already kind of touched on, and I kind of was like, just kind of like hiding a little bit from it, but I'm just going to go ahead oh, and say... Oh, no, 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 sorry, before we do that, what? I remember, turn away from the computer. Oh I've got gosh. something I want to show oh, you. Oh, you. you want me to do raw reaction? Yeah, I have a raw... While, while you do this, I'm going to go grab me another slice okay, of I've got. I'm not looking at the screen, don't worry. Okay, I've got a raw reaction that I want from you, Luke, because I saw this. It's a long story as to why I was looking this dude up, but... Uh, I'm not gonna look you're going to appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, keep look. Sit on. Give me a second. Let me clear out my mouth. Okay. So I don't want to do a spit take. All right. So you you're, a you're. Yeah, I'm covering it now. You're good to look. Let me get a drink. You'll know exactly what I want you to look at when you... You'll know exactly why I'm doing this when you see it. Okay. I'm standing. I'm looking. Okay. I'm ready. You can just go ahead and move your hand. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> look at it. Look at it. I want you to look at it. Dude, look. I am showing Luke a picture of Abraham Lincoln in profile. This dude has the biggest nose I've ever seen. <laughs> That's a honker. And look a at that is bigger than Scott LePage's nose. <laughs> that that one is a really massive nose too. Yeah. <laughs> Scott LePage's nose has a horn. It looks like Scott LePage, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so if you Wait, did he just put like a bunch of sunscreen on it? No, they edited it out. It's right there. Oh, I didn't even see it. Yeah. But so uh, if you ever so if you ever look up Scott so Polyphia, uh they have two guitarists. One of them is Tim Henson. He's the guy with all the neck tattoos. And then the other guy who has really long hair is Scott LePage. That's who we're talking about. He's got just a massive honker on his face. Yeah, and I'm saying this is someone who... <laughs> I myself has have a massive nose. What the... F what is... Is that Scott LePage? Uh, yeah, that's uh, them back in the day. Is he tall or is Tim Henson short? That's, that's pre-Eshkerman. Uh, Eshkerman. That's... I, I could have guessed that. Is he tall or, or are they short? He's tall and they are short. Okay. Scott is pretty big. Okay, uh, Scott LePage height. Just go popular bios. Popular bio. Uh, bro, bro, he's six days younger than me. Nice. They don't have his height. Oh, 
Height unknown. unknown. Just go to his Instagram and message him. Hey, Scott, how tall are you? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I want... Anyway, uh, if you look up Scott LePage nose, you'll probably get some good pictures of it. My nose is pretty big, and even I am surprised by how big Scott's nose was. And I was. And then you saw Abraham Lincoln. You were like, "Yeah, I he's was the winner." I was floored when I saw Abraham Lincoln. I saw that picture last night, and I was like, "I need to show this to Luke on air." So that has nothing. I don't know what Luke's about to the topics Luke's Luke's about to bring up, but that is everything I had for this okay. episode. So. I kind of tried to subvert what you were telling me, or what we were talking about earlier, but... Abraham Lincoln's No, this is the announcement. No, I'm saying is Abraham Lincoln's Nose Survival Guide. Oh, gosh. That's the name of this episode. So, the announcement I have is, yes, I have started Steel Ball Run. Woo! Steel Ball Run, for all of you who do not know, it is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 7. Uh... <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> okay, so that's the thing. Like, I knew you'd be really excited about. I wanted to get, get like an actual, like, documented reaction of that. Oh gosh, stop. <laughs> okay, number two is, um, have you been keeping up with The Last of Us? Yes. Okay. What are your thoughts? I want to know. Um. Because I know, I've heard so many people rant and rave about how good the show is. What prompt, so what prompt, like what specific, is there something specific that's prompting this? No. No, it's just like, how is it? Like I said on here, have you kept up with The Last of Us? How is it? So just like, because I'm trying to give us like a little bit of an update from where we were. Sure. Yeah. So they are now, they just aired. As we are currently like eight episodes later, essentially. No, uh, episode... No, I'm talking about our individual episodes that we've done. Oh, okay. Well, episode eight of the series airs tomorrow. Okay. Uh, last time we talked about it was after I had seen episode three. Yes. So, since then, episode four, uh, was really good. Mm-hmm. Episode five was fine, but I think it was a letdown compared to four. Uh, episode six... Episode 6, so here's the thing, so I would say 5 and 6 together, they were both fine, they weren't bad, but they were both letdowns for different reasons, and episode 7 was another episode 3, Okay. where the entire episode was backstory. Really? Yeah, so what they did with this one, so episode 3, if you guys recall... Episode 3 was the Frank and Bill episode. Yeah, which which was an entirely uh, original story they wrote for backstory on two characters that appeared in the game Mm -hmm. that was not in the game, so it gave them extra backstory. Episode 7 was an adaptation of a DLC that got made for the first game after it came out. And the DLC of that game was a story about Ellie before she met Joel going on a date with her girlfriend... And her, and, which ended with her and her girlfriend getting bit, and her girlfriend dying from it, and Ellie finding out that she's immune from it. Interesting. And okay. so, uh, the ga- in the DLC for the game, what happens is they bounce back and forth between that flashback and Ellie. So, have you seen, how much do you know of the game? Have you seen any playthroughs of it? I know, uh, I've played a decent amount of it. I haven't watched all the way through the game. So, do you know that, the, you know that there's a section where Joel gets impaled on rebar and he's sick for a couple of months, right? I remember you saying something about that. And then and then after he gets sick, Ellie gets captured. And then Joel wakes yeah, and up then and Joel, comes to get her. Joel does the, like, I'm going to kill you anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So You um, mentioned that. 
So um, the DLC is set during that, and so the there are parts of it set in the present day where Ellie has taken Joel's unconscious body to an abandoned mall, and she's searching the mall for anti antibiotics and medical stuff to give to him because he's probably what he's got is tetanus because he was impaled on rebar, so there's probably rust on it. Mm -hmm. And as she's searching for it, bandits come to the mall and she has to fight them off on her own okay and the, it bounces back and forth between that and the flashback where she's going on her date with her girlfriend riley and then they end up waking up a whole bunch of infected they go to an abandoned mall to have their date, and a whole bunch of infected that are in the mall wake up and chase them around so you're running from an army of infected at one point and so this so I'm I'm watching every frame of pauses coverage of it because they're doing they're doing they're releasing reactions of themselves watching each episode because Mahler's a fan of the first game and he despises the second game. Which, as a little preface, in the future we're going to start doing some reactionary stuff where we're actually watching episodes of various things. I would I, I want to get that. And which we just got to go through the whole we just got to jump through all the hoops that we have to. So we'd be able to do the content and not have it flagged or anything of that nature to yeah. where we could still post it. Yeah. So that's something we have to figure out. But we do want to do that eventually. Because as I've mentioned more than once on this, our conversations are a lot funnier uh, when they spin out of us watching something. Or they well, yeah, it's because they're spur of the moment. And yeah. just like get this random idea. Yeah. Mind, <laughs> mind you though, there's a lot more jokes uh, and a lot less like normal commentary. But yeah. then at the same time, every once in a while we will have like a pause and just have an epic rant. Yeah. Not not rant, but like an epic like rabbit. Well, rant. I think uh, if we do do this, I'm gonna try. Do uh-huh. do. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to try if we end up doing this to do more serious commentary, mm-hmm. just just so that we won't have protracted amounts of time of us just sitting there not saying anything. Because obviously, for um, because that'll lead to one of two issues, which is that'll be boring for people listening, and depending on how. Eat how much you pick up of what we're watching, it could just end up counting as us just streaming content, um, and that'll just get us flagged. Yeah. So that would either require us, if we don't talk a lot, to do a lot of editing and cut out lots of sections of it, mm-hmm. which would make it a bit more choppy, but we'll just have to figure that out. But so they've been streaming their reactions to this series, and they have liked every episode, and I think they said that episode seven was the first one that they weren't fans of. Which is the... Our flashback episode. Yeah, the Ellie Riley one, and they said, and they were commenting on the fact that it's very interesting because it purely in forms of writing and what it's doing, it is not at all dissimilar from the Bill and Frank episode because it is a flashback that does not involve Joel and Ellie, which gives, which shows the re- a developing relationship between two characters, and is kind of in that way. And it, I, I like, just ironically, it is of a homosexual nature. Yeah. Like, that's, like, it literally is almost, like, point for point, the exact same thing. Yeah. To the point that you could almost argue that if they were going to adapt the DLC, then it kind of, it kind of negates the need for Bill and Frank's story. Now, question. Did it occur correctly in the timeline? So, Joel gets hit by the rebar. Yeah, so Joel got hit. So, they changed it in the show. Um, instead of Joel falling off of a balcony and getting impaled on rebar, instead what happened was um, they get attacked by bandits at a hospital, which is similar. And one of the bandits tries to hit Joel with a wooden bat, and he misses. Joel ducks it, and the bat shatters on a tree that it hits. 
And then when Joel goes to grab the dude and, like, get him in a headlock, the dude basically, like, jams it into him. Okay, well, so it's totally different there. Yeah, so... Rebar will do a lot more damage than a wooden bat. I think that's the idea. So it still goes in, and it still punctures him mm-hmm. pretty badly, but I think the idea is that this injury is more survivable than the rebar. Because Joel's meant to be in, like... In the show, he's supposed to be 56. In the game, he was 51. In the game, he fell from a second-story balcony onto the rebar, and then Ellie has to pull him off of that, and then he has to walk out of the hospital, bleeding the entire way, like from an open wound. Mm -hmm. And he, realistically, he probably would have bled out. And so I think the idea is that this is more um, realistic. That being said, I think there... I wrote... I. This is a criticism I've started finding that I have more and more of the series, which is they make it more realistic. Like, they, they've taken out a lot of the encounters of, like, fighting. Obviously, because you have to, because it's a game. Yeah, it's you need just, those like, you don't want to have combat, combat, combat. Yeah. It's just going to be JoJo season uh, arc three again. Yeah. Combat, combat, combat. No, uh, no offense, but... Yeah, um, but... By the way, the guy I was telling you about earlier at work, yeah, I was telling him about how bad Attack on Titan is. He was like, man, I mean, you got a point there. I also told him about JoJo. And I almost got him to start watching it. Nice! Yes. Like, I was like... He's like, I just don't understand stands. I was just like... You could start literally on season three. It explains everything Two. now. Or, yeah, start, start on arc three is what I said. Yeah. Start on arc three. It explains everything out. You follow Jotaro. Little spoiler. Dio shows back up. Yeah. It's all you need to know. And it's great. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you're right. And like, it doesn't sound... And he's like, I said, he said, well, what are stands? I was like, well, it's more like... Um, so there are two ways I would explain it, which is... um. So the practical way is it's a manifestation of your soul. That's what it yeah, is in the that's universe. that's what it, I basically That's said. That was like the in-universe explanation. But if, like, if someone's having trouble un- picturing that, I would use one of two examples, which is either... If they know what Persona is, I would say it's a Persona. Okay. Like Persona 4, Persona, yeah, persona 5. If they, know, if they know Persona, I'll say it's Persona. It, it it was JoJo was Persona before Persona existed. If they don't know Persona, Persona got its inspiration from JoJo. Yeah, and if they don't know what Persona is, I say just pick your Pokemon. Your stand is your Pokemon. Oh, okay. That's, that's how a I'd good say, idea. That's how I'd say it. But yeah, so back to but the so, Last of Us. So um, something I've I've noticed more and more, and that really has started to bother me is they make they make these encounters more realistic. Like they put less enemies in, which is good because. Yeah. In a video game, you can tank shots because you have to. You've got a health bar and all that, and it yeah. whittles it down. In a TV show, you can't tank shots. It's realistic. You, you tank you... one shot, and you're dead. Yeah. So they're they're paring it down, and that's what I like. The problem is they're also just making the encounters less memorable. Okay. So, like, in the in the hospital one, what happens is you're in a room with Ellie. The, the bandits see you. They're coming in, and so you have to fight your way through. Um, like... You have to basically fight your way through <coughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like maybe nine or ten people. Let's go ten. Yeah, let's go like ten or eleven people. You got to fight your way through all of them with your different guns. You can use axes if you pick them up to melee them, stuff like that. And I, every single time I've played Last of Us, I could I can picture a gritty movie, sort of like a Logan esque movie or something like that. Or you mean Jar Jar, not Logan. <laughs> <laughs> a Logan esque movie or. It, or like No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. or The Road, or something like that. Yes. A really gritty, sort of down and dirty 
like every you feel every hit. They're not. It's not super choreographed. You can tell they're sort of clumsy. They're not professional fighters. Yeah, just like clunky. yeah, just going like hitting just. Oh, they're, just, they're just like they're just like I just gotta throw fists. Ugh, yeah, ugh, I gotta throw fists. Just men. Just go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah, just men kicking each other. Like you gotta like uh, like you take one guy down, then you duck down behind cover, pull out your revolver, and you start shooting a couple more. Yeah, something super gritty. And then what you get in the TV show with the hospital is Joel. Four guys show up. Joel and Nelly sneak out the back, and they try to get to their horse. And then one of the four guys sees them. He stabs, he swings the bat, misses, gets... Stabs Joel. And Joel chokes him out and breaks his neck. And then they leave when the, while the, with the other three guys see them and try to chase them on the horse. And I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of lame. Well, I, you feel like there should have been a little bit more with the other three. Well, that's, Honestly, a, that's what I'm thinking. Like, if, if you would have, because the thing is this, when you have those, like, survival scenarios... Uh, like, they're trying to be more realistic. Okay, well, let's bring them more realistic. Where's your battle buddy? You do, you pair off. If you got four guys, split up two yeah. groups of two. Because you never want to get caught alone. And you always want to have backup. Where's your battle buddy? Yeah. Or like... Which is a military term. Or something like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The Clint Eastwood yeah. movie. Because you can you can do stuff where it's like a lone gunslinger versus a like a like three or four other ones and he gets yeah. out on top. You and can do like the three way like a Mexican standoff. I think is what they call it. I right? wouldn't do that with Last of Us mm-hmm. because the good, the bad, and the ugly does have that. It's like the most famous version of yeah. that standoff. But there are also just bu- a bunch of scenes with the the man with no name j- just fighting his way out of situations. Yeah, and um, you know, surprisingly, never watched any of those movies. I just know about them. I, I cinematically, I just know about them. I, 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 I watched the good, the bad, and the ugly when I was in college, when it was on Netflix, just because I was like, you know, I just want to watch it to say that I have. I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. So, I've got a bunch of those movies I have to watch. Yeah, like there's there's a list, a laundry list of movies I have to watch. Yeah, just to say like I've watched them. Like Deer Hunter, it's another one I need to watch. Uh, Apocalypse Now, uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. Like but that. so the way I would describe it, because I was thinking about this. Um, with The Last of Us, when you're adapting a video game, you need to make it more realistic. I would say there are three ways you can do that. You can do you four ways. You can do the uh, average writer thing, which is you don't change it. And it just becomes unrealistic that Joel's getting through all this stuff in sure. TV format. You can do the bad writer thing where you make it worse. Um, Basically... You- just become like the worst dungeon master in Dungeons and Dragons. Sort of. Just a killer DM. Yeah, you just where like you make the encounters worse. And then there are the two other that so I would say that like there's the neutral one, which is you don't change anything and it just becomes super unrealistic. There's the negative one, which is you make it worse with the changes you make. And then there are the two positive There's There's it, two positive ones or whatever? I guess I would I guess I would say they're both positive. I'm not sure. There's the smart writer um, which is what the la- which is what I would say the Last of Us writers doing. They're doing the smart writer thing, and they're and they're take and they are paring down the fight scenes and taking them out so that so that they don't have to deal with the whole unrealistic aspect of sure. it. Which doesn't like which doesn't necessarily make the story worse. So that's the smart writer thing to do. Or you can do the clever writer thing, which is what I wish they were doing. Which is you keep you keep the action scenes in as much as possible and you find a way to write them in a way that is realistic. Sure. 
They're doing the smart writer thing, which is we're just paring out as much of the action as we can and making it into more of a drama series without much action. And I would prefer the clever writer, or uh, maybe I would say like the innovative or the wise writer, which is I want to keep these encounter fight scenes in, but I want to do them in a way that's would actually make sense on a television format. Sure. And that's what they're not doing. The only time they did it that I liked was there is an encounter when Joel and Ellie go to Philadelphia in the TV show, it's Kansas city. They changed the yes. city. Um, Joel and Ellie have to cut through the city because they want to go around it on the highway, but the highway is like blocked off. So they have to cut through the city. And as they're going into the city, at one point they stop because a dude shows up in the middle of the road asking for help. And in the game and in the game and in the show, Ellie looks at Joel. She's like, are we going to help them? And Joel, uh, no, what happens is they see the guy on the road, like, help me. I need help. He's holding his side. He looks like he's hurt. And Joel just goes, put, and Joel just goes, put your seatbelt on. And Ellie puts it on. She's like, aren't you going to help him? And Joel just goes, no. And he hits the gas. And in the game and in the show, what happens is he hits the gas and the dude looks up and goes, oh, and he jumps out of the way and he goes, he's running. And people start attacking and throwing yeah. stuff because Joel knew it was a it's trap. It's an ambush. Yeah. And so in both versions, what happened is Joel loses control of the truck and they crash into a store. And then Joel has to fight them off yeah. on his own. And so in the game, what happens... So something I really, I think is really, I really like in the game is they crash the truck. And so Joel's checking on Ellie because they're both dazed from the crash. Obviously. And then one of the bandits comes in and grabs Ellie out of the truck. And Joel reaches over to try and stop him, like, let go of her. And then another dude comes up behind Joel, headbutt, like, slams, like slams his head into the uh, steering wheel. No, slams his head into, like, the console between them. Oh, okay. Like, slams his head down, then grabs him and pulls him out. And he pulls him over to... They're in like uh, they're in a grocery store in the game, so he pulls him over to one of those uh, glass displays where they would uh, keep yes. refrigerated stuff. He tries to push Joel's head into it. Joel catches himself on the sides, pushes himself back, and then once he's got enough leverage, just turns around real real quick, el elbows the dude on the side of the head, and then grabs his head when he's dazed and just throws him into the glass and kills him. The old switcheroo. Yeah, and then he looks up, sees the dude like choking out Ellie, and he just runs over. Kicks the dude, then picks him up, drags him over to a to a uh, to a desk, and just bashes his head into the oh, side. I was of hoping it. for a curb stomp. No, <laughs> but I it's just as he picks him up in the desk and just goes bam. Oh, he just bashes bam! his face into the corner. Yeah, into the corner of the Ooh. desk and just bam, and then just drops him. And then he goes, he gets Ellie up, takes her to the truck, gives her the backpack. He's like, "We're getting out of here." And then she goes, "Joel, Joel, look out!" And there's a gunshot, and then they go into cover. And then the game starts, because at that point it's basically a cinematic, and you just fight him off with a gun. So, what so they, what one they, of the coolest cinematics, obviously. Yeah, so what the what the show does is they don't include the part where he, like, he tries to put your head into the glass, which I was really disappointed by. Sure. That was automatically a turnoff, where I was like, dude, really? What I did like is they did make some changes that I liked. So what Joel does is he gets out, and he points to a hole in the wall of the store they're in. He tells Ellie, climb through that. So she climbs through the hole to the into a different building, so she'll be safe. Then he gr takes out his rifle, gets behind the truck to use it as cover. He starts. He gets into a firefight with two of the bandits that are pursuing them. Sure. And he kills those two with a gunshot. And so then he's like checking to make sure everything's good, and he's about to put his gun down when a third guy comes through the back door. So he had flanked him. And he like. Joel hears the door come open, so he hears that, and he just instinctively turns around and swings his gun up like that. 
Oh, okay. And so what happens is the dude came in with a shotgun. When Joel does that, he knocks the dude's shotgun into the air, and it goes off. Okay. I thought that was really that, that's cool. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, okay. that's really cool. He just knocks it up. And so then they get into a fight. Now, and so, now, mind you, did he knock it out of his hands? Uh, no. Okay. So that's a really, really good defensive move. That's, that, like, super reactionary. So that was built into Joel. Do that words. Joel. <laughs> yeah. It was built into Joel by training of some sort. Yeah. So there must be some military training or, like, reactionary training. Well, this is and 20 yeah. years into the apocalypse, so he's... Oh, he, I, yeah. He's yeah. got... He wasn't... I know he. I know his brother in the TV show was in the army. I don't think Joel was, but regardless, we're 20 years of experience in the apocalypse either way. Okay, I didn't realize it was that far in. Yeah, it's 20 years. He's in his 30s when it starts, and the game takes place when he's in his 50s. Yeah. So Time, time I did not know was that way. Yeah. Game. I thought it was just like a couple of years down the road. No, it's 20 years in. So Joel's got a lot of experience. Like that torture scene where he like threatens to pop the dude's kneecap off, that's years of torturing. <laughs> oh, sorry. So they get into a fight because he doesn't knock the, the gun out of his hand, but he they're basically in melee now. Like they're grappling with yes. each other. And the dude knocks Joel down and starts choking him out. What the shotgun way is he got the shotgun yeah. on his neck and Breaking choking against his neck. Yeah, choking him out with the shotgun. And Ellie at this point, she's Joel, Joel hasn't been allowing her to have guns, but she actually found one and kept it hidden. So she's had a gun on herself. She comes through the wall, sees the dude choking Joel out and shoots him in the back to save Joel. And the dude, like, falls over. And the dude's actually a teenager, you realize, once you get a good look at him. He's, like, a kid. And he's, like, crying. He's, like, crying, begging them to, like, let him go. And Joel just gets up. He doesn't say anything. He looks. He goes over to Ellie and just holds out his hand. And Ellie just gives him the gun. And it... A gun. And, uh... Actually, what's great is, so... Joel's, like, dazed. He's catching his breath. And while that's happening, the dude's, like... Like, up with Ellie, like, a, stop, 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 I surrender, I surrender, you don't have to kill me, please, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And then he starts, like, crying, he's, please, I got a mom, he's like, man, I got a mom, I want to see I my mom. I got a mom, man. Yeah, and what's great, what's great, this is why episode four is probably my favorite episode of the series, mm -hmm. is Joel stands up. And when Joel stands up, like, as soon as the dude's attention goes from Ellie back to Joel, he stops doing the crying thing, he just goes... To scare face, like, uh-oh. Uh, yeah. I'm in trouble! <laughs> yeah, he goes from crying, begging to mercy to, uh, I want, I still want mercy, but I'm probably not gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> My fate has already been sealed. And so, <laughs> and so Joel, like, gets the gun from Ellie, and he turns with the gun to the dude, and the goose like, no, no, please, please! And he takes out a knife from his back, he's like, I got the, and he drops his, I, I'm good, I got no weapons! I'm good, I'm good! I got no weapons! And he actually mentions he can't feel his legs, so Ellie may have paralyzed him by accident. He's standing up at this point? No, he's on the ground. Oh, okay. He can't feel his nut legs, and so he's probably paralyzed at this point. And what's good is, Joel, like, looks at the dude, he just looks at Ellie and goes, go back behind the wall. And so she goes back and climbs through the wall. And as she's climbing through the wall, you can hear the dude just scream, No, 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 please! Please! Mom! 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 And he's just, And he stops. <laughs> they don't show it, obviously. They don't show it, but that but happened. It, but it just, you hear the, Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, he did. And that <laughs> wasn't in the game. And all of that part, I was like, that is Joel! That is Joel! So, so, pause right Yo, there. Yoel just turned into Joel for like two minutes! 
So that's what I was gonna ask. It's like, so you finally saw Joel? Yes, I saw Joel for a brief like two minutes of that episode, and then he disappeared again. <laughs> okay, that's all. I, that was the the final reflecting question. So you finally saw Joel? Yeah, and then he disappeared again. He went. It, he it, went. It was like Joel. Pedro? Yeah. When'd you get here? <laughs> and then he went back to the silencing. <laughs> okay. But, um... So... So, that would be an example. That entire scene is what I was looking for in the TV show. I'm gonna have to go and, like, find a way to watch that scene. Yeah. Just that scene. Yeah, so... that entire... I wanna, I'll probably watch the video game scene first, and then watch yeah. the, uh, the show scene, and just be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. It's like... Really good. The only like you got turned off initially, and then you're like, Joel, <laughs> Joel. It's like finally. It's, it's like one of the. It's like that scene in, at the end. Wait, of how sh- long are each episode? They're roughly an hour each. So literally over three hours in, you finally see Joel. Two minutes of Joel. Yeah, <laughs> you get that just mm, that caviar bite of Joel. <laughs> yeah, and then. Yoel. <laughs> yeah, back to Yoel. Okay. But, um, so... Yeah. Um, that is what I was looking for in the entire TV series. But and you what still I, have Joel. Uh, Yoel. Yeah, but what I'm getting... But what I've been getting before then and since then is the hospital scene where they just basically take out the encounter entirely except for the part where Joel gets injured because, like, we need that to happen for the yeah. story to progress. So it's just like... It, it, they've kind of taken the, uh... They've taken the moment and just kind of like, eh, it, they've kind of turned it into meh. They, they've taken the moment and they've tried to they've tried to remove it as much as possible, except for the parts they absolutely need. And the thing is, like, you said it's supposed to be only nine episodes, correct? Yeah, they got okay. two episodes left. And they've, they've got two episodes left in a nine-episode series or season, and two of those episodes have, focus, have not focused on Joel and Ellie basically at all. Yeah. That's that's where I feel like at that point you could start seeing that maybe they're trying to shove too much into one season. Well, here's what I think it is. This is my opinion I've come to based on watching the series, which this is also based on what I know of Neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann was the guy who's Neil directing Dr- it. Neil Druckmann created The Last of Us. Okay. He co-directed the first game and wrote the first game, and he solely directed and wrote the second game, which most people hate. Um, Neil Druckmann, he made the first game, everyone loved it, and then after that, um, he, he got super into Anita Sarkeesian, if you know who that is. Yeah. The sexism in game. I know who Anita Sarkeesian is. And he's... Like, Anita Sarkeesian is to video games as Karens are to let me speak to your manager. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and it's the exact same parallel. Like, Karens... They have to speak to your manager because they're offended about something. Anita Sarkeesian is offended at the patriarchy in in board in the uh, not board in video games. Yeah, and so since, even though it's not there, yeah, it's just a scenario. So since then, he is I, I, speaking of the one woman in uh, Red Dead Two. Mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption Two. Yes, where she. Dude, that's a great game. Well, the thing is. There, there Played is, it recently. That's a great game. Well, so there's a particular moment where you find a woman, and she's got like a woman's suffrage sign. She's I think like, I know who you're talking. Yes, and so people were like, "Oh, they were talking about how like Red Dead is such a sexist game or whatever." And the reason why is because you could take this woman 
who is asking for women's suffrage, tie her up, and drag her behind your horse. You can do that to anyone. Uh, well, the thing is this, they were like, particularly like, like you could do this to this woman. What a horrible game. You can do it to anyone! <laughs> so to capitalize on the hatred that they have for this action... People would do random things, like they would take her and they would like throw her off a cliff. They do a variety <laughs> of things. One person took her, threw her on the back of the horse, rode all the way to the swamp, and fed her to an alligator. And fed her to the alligators. Yeah, I, I, I know that's a thing you can do in Red Dead. You can feed people to alligators. Yes, but they just did it. Just because they could. Yeah. And just to, like, prove a point. And also, it's and just also, a game. I have to say again, you can do that to anyone. Exactly. Literally anyone. But AP, the fact that it was to the women's suffrage person, they were like, oh, yeah, this game is sexist. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. It's literally a thing you can do to any single character if they are just doing it to this one yeah, character this is the, for the memes. Yeah, this is this is the whole thing about... Um, about um, uh, about what I would say, what I would call true f- feminism, which is equal rights for men and women. Yes. Equal rights for men and women is you can th- is you can feed them both the alligators exactly. in a video game. You can do it to anybody. Yeah, you can do it to whoever. But like modern day feminism, you don't see that. You just see. That's why I said true feminism. Yes, exactly. So I feel like we've finished our point now. No, with not y- with your well. I was going. I was going somewhere with The Last of Us. Oh, the Anita Sarkeesian thing. Okay. So he made The Last of Us one, which everyone loved. He also worked on the Uncharted series. Okay. Then Last of Us Part Two. He so got in, into Anita Sarkeesian. In between The Last of Us one and Uncharted four and The Last of Us two, which Uncharted one through three were all headed up by Amy Hennig, the creator of that series. Sure. Amy Hennig is one of the greatest. Uh, is one of the greatest contributors. I have to the, all three of those games. I have they, the Uncharted collection. They're phenomenal. They are absolutely. I haven't phenomenal. played them all the way through, but I, I say I like them. You got the collection, right? Yes. So I I got the remaster version for PS5 because up until now I only had them on PS3, and my PS3 doesn't work anymore. I think it's the, I think they're remasters. Well, if it's the collection, then it's the PS4 version, which yeah. is what I'm talking about. Yeah, the remastered yeah. version. So I got the remastered collection for PS4 because I can play it on my PS5. Yes. Um, recently, and so I used to play these, I'm not kidding, I have played, I have probably sunk hundreds of hours into the Uncharted games. The, yeah. the first PS3 I got was bundled with Uncharted 3. i played them so many times. I, I got, the, I, my PS4 was the Nathan Drake PS4. Nice. I used to, um, I, I used to have a tradition where every, every semester in high school, after I would get the summer break... Like, the first thing I would do is I would play through all three Uncharted games just straight through. It sounds like me on May 4th. Yeah. Just, like that, just watch the first six Star Wars yeah, movies that's just, plus Rogue One. Like, just to celebrate my extra free time, I would just play through <laughs> all of the games because I love them that much. Yeah. Even the first one, which is not a very good game. The first one, I did notice, like, it was a bit, like, clunky. Yeah, and that's because... Uncharted, Among Thieves was great. Yeah, un- uh, Among Thieves is the... Is one of the greatest games of all time. Uncharted, one of the reasons it's like that is because it was literally genre redefining. That was It was the first game to do that. Yeah. So many of those mechanics were new and tried out, and you can tell. Like, I've I've played through that game. I played through that game so many times, and every time I played... That game predated Assassin's Creed, correct? Maybe. Because the, that's how, they're kind of like in the same genre. I know, I know it predated the infamous games, and the infamous games yeah, were... Yeah. Heavily inspired by Uncharted, yeah. uh, or at least there's. I don't remember when the first Uncharted game came out. 
uh, it came out in 2007. Is that pre? Uh, it's close. Uh, Assassin's Creed 1. Same year. Same year? Okay, so... But it like, came out in December. Or no, that came out in November. Came out in November? Whereas the other one came out in... Uh, also November. So they came out at the exact same time. And here's the thing, even if they... They, came, they literally came out the exact same day. And here's the thing, um, even if they didn't come out the same time that year... Video game development takes so long that even if even if Assassin's Creed or Uncharted like beat the other by like two months, it wouldn't matter. I'd say neither one was inspired by the other. They no. would have had to have been independent of each other. Yeah, they would have been working on this for quite yeah. some time. But so Uncharted one, Uncharted one, it annoys like I like I love and hate Uncharted one because it's an Uncharted game, but it's also sure. so clunk. But anyway, what you were saying, you play the remastered version. I've been playing them. And they were remastered after Amy Henning hitting left Naughty Dog. And they play... I don't know if it's my controller or something like that. Because I some of the buttons on my controller do kind of stick. It's, I'm not happy about it because it's a new controller. Mm-hmm. But um, they play really clunk. Because I, I, I'm not kidding. I have replayed those games on PS3, their original versions, dozens if not hundreds of times and they never felt as clunky as they did in the remastered version i i think naughty dog may have done something to them they have to maybe in the update or whatever yeah they they had to have tweaked something in the code because what i'm what i'm getting at luke is i think you would like them even more if you played the original versions which you're i know you can't because they aren't on sale anywhere anymore but what i'm getting at is you said you played the remastered versions and you like them you probably you'd probably like them more if you played the original versions is what i'm saying but I wonder if they were ported over to Steam. So Neil Druckmann got his start working as sort of like a co-writer on um. Uh, only Legacy is on there. That's fine. Wait, 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 Legacy of Thieves Collection. Yeah, that's the remastered version. So that is. Wait, Legacy of Thieves. That would be the fourth one. That one even had the first. No, three. no, that was um, Honor Among Thieves. No, I know, but they have a Legacy of Thieves collection. So, the Legacy of Thieves includes... Honor Among Thieves and Lost Legacy. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's only number four. Yeah. Um, the, um... I'm literally blanking. You just showed me it. Uncharted. No, I'm looking for the name... The Nathan Drake collection is oh, the yeah, name Nathan of the first Drake three. Connection. Yeah. Yeah, the Legacy of Thieves one has a spin-off game in it about one of the other characters. But so Neil Druckmann got his start. Um, let's see. As a programmer for the Jack and Daxter oh series. Oh my gosh, Jack 3 was so good. But so he got Oh his, my gosh, I love that game. He got his start as a programmer for those games, then he was a <coughs> he was a designer and co-writer on the first two Uncharted games. Jack 3 was like also part of my childhood. Okay. Jack 3 was great. So when I got a PS2, like that was one of the first games I got and it was fantastic. So Amy Hennig created the created <coughs> the Uncharted series and she was the director and writer of the first three games. Mm-hmm. Neil Druckmann um, did not help create it, but he was a co-writer on the first two games and he did not work on the third game at and all. He was, it says designer and writer. Yeah, designer writer, yeah. I don't care about the designer part. I'm just yeah. talking about the writing. Um, honestly... Based on based on the design of, based on the clunkiness of the remaster and the clunk of the Last of Us, because I've been replaying that game recently, mm-hmm. and that is not that game is not balanced right. The, the first Last of Us or the remaster? 
either of them. The first or the second one or the remaster, like that game needed to go through a lot more playtesting. Okay. Uh, the, the story is phenomenal, but like it is so jank to play. Which is a common sentiment along, um, among a lot of people. The story is great. The gameplay is meh at best. But so, and then, I think that may be why I didn't finish it. Because the gameplay was not... For Last of Us? Yeah. Yeah, I've been replaying it, and I've, it's really opened my eyes. Especially after I just played the Dead Space remake, which is really, really well designed. That went... Like, I heard, like, I wanted to kind of mention that. Like, I've heard a lot about that. Yeah. And it looks good. I've been watching Markiplier play it. Yeah, so... And he... He's like, okay, like this is really cool, and the fact that they also added in like a couple of mechanics from the second one, yeah, like the the flight capability, yeah, yeah, like the fact they added all that stuff in, they really cleaned it up. It it truly shows you what like a remaster should be, yeah. And the fact that are they thinking about doing a two for Dead Space? Yeah, uh, it's it's unclear. Um, people. I've heard it evenly split between people hoping this kickstarts a Dead Space 4 or a Dead Space 2 remake. I would say remake. Yeah. I wouldn't do, like, a remaster. I'd say remake. Because I heard 2 is the worst of them. No. So what I've heard is 3 is the worst one. Okay. So what I've heard is before Dead Space Remake came out, what I've heard from people who are fans of Dead Space, because I'm not a fan of Dead Space. I played the remake because I heard a lot of good things about it. And now now I'm a fan of Dead Space, but I was not before. Sure. And I don't plan to play the original games unless they're remastered sure. or remade like this one was. But um, So from what I understand, based on what I've learned about Dead Space since then, is prior to Dead Space remake coming out, everyone loved Dead Space 1 and Dead Space 2, and they hated Dead Space 3. And they were hoping... I may have got them mixed up. Okay, and they were hoping, but but basically any... The common sentiment was we'd like to see a Dead Space 4, but Dead Space 3 has kind of killed any chances for that because of how disappointing it was. Now that Dead Space 2... Dead Space the remake, remake came has out. Come out oh, the re- and there, was it a remaster or a remake? It was a remake okay. from the bottom up. Like, they read all... It's all new code. Okay. Entirely remade. And, so and is the, that is that the difference there? Like they just go in like in a remaster, they go in and tweak the code enough to make it better. A remaster or is so a rem the, the idea of a remaster, from what I understand, is it is the exact same game but with updated graphics. Okay, so they just go in and just change. Yes, yeah. and a remake is you remake it from the ground up. Yeah, you recode it entirely. Yeah. Now the difference between some remakes is the Last of Us remake, the Last of Us Part One just came out like last year. And everyone said it's the exact same game. Like, literally, they redid the code, but they changed nothing about the AI. They, they changed nothing about the mechanics. It is as, it is essentially no different from a remaster. Yeah, it's just a remaster. Yeah, essentially. It is essentially no different from a remaster, whereas the Dead Space remake actually rewrote parts of the story to make it better, from what I understand. They fixed plot holes in the original game. They upped, They obviously added in stuff from the other games, from the later games that they thought were better. And they tweaked the fighting to make it better. Apparently, your player character Isaac and all of the enemies actually move faster than they did in the original game. So they oh. sped up gameplay a little to make it feel... I did notice that. It did seem like he was moving a little bit faster. Yeah, they sped everything up to make it feel less sluggish, I guess. Mm-hmm. They actually... Isaac was a silent protagonist in the original game. And yeah, now they've and given they, him, got, they make him talk. In yeah, they've given him dialogue. So they they this one was literally a remake from the ground up. They re they rework they reworked the shooting mechanics. They reworked how you get stuff. Like apparently, I didn't even know this till recently. Apparently, in the original game, the way you get new weapons is you buy them in the store. 
Whereas in the remake, you can find new weapons on dead bodies. Okay. So that can be how you find them, and then you just buy ammo at the store. I knew of the game. I didn't know, like, anything of this nature. But, like, I knew, like... I knew the game wasn't for me because, like, I'm a headshots guy. Straight up headshots. Or just, like, body shots. Yeah. Whereas, like, in this, you have to be very precise with your shots. And you have to know, like, the angle of your gun, whatever you're using. Yeah, you, headshots don't work. You gotta shoot off the limbs. Yeah, which is weird to me. I think it's I think it's a cool idea. It is a cool idea. But yeah. at the same time, for me, it's just like, huh, I can't yeah. do this. This game's scary. <laughs> but, so, I don't even know how we got onto Dead Space. But, uh, but, so, now that the Dead Space We were remake, talking about remakes and remakes. Yeah, but now, but now that the Dead Space remake has come out, the sentiment has changed to people are hoping that basically we just... This gets a Dead Space... Because... Like I said, they changed the story. Mm -hmm. It's not a different story, but what they did is they changed it to fill in plot holes and things about the original story that didn't work. And so now people who are fans of Dead Space are saying they want the same treatment for Dead Space 2. And basically for this to be a new continuity of us making the writing tighter. And that leads up to a Dead Space 3 remake, which changes literally everything because they don't like Dead Space 3. Sure. So that's what people are wanting now is a Dead Space 2 remake, which similarly tweaks the story to make and, it tighter. And the thing is this, like, with the update in code like that, like, you, you do notice, like, it almost looks seamless. Like, it literally is just, like, very tangible, very good. Yeah. The, they play-tested probably the snot out of that game. Oh, absolutely. So... The biggest thing, now that I'm playing, I've started playing more video games recently, and the biggest thing I'm noticing with, like, the last... So, I'll use The Last of Us as an example. Obviously. So, so I decided I wanted to re... Because what I did with Dead Space is I played it on normal. Then I replayed it on New Game Plus on hard. And the reason I did that is because I wanted to get a feel for it on hard. Because I wanted to try the impossible difficulty. The impossible difficulty is it's hard, but... Is it's hard, but you can't die. If you die, it starts you over entirely it's from the beginning. Entirely over from the game. Yeah. So and so, I I did that, and then I did Impossible Difficulty next. I beat it on Impossible, and that gives you an exclusive skin that you can only get Ooh. on Impossible Difficulty. So I I played a whole lot of Dead Space, and it just struck me there was never a point. Maybe not never, but it, there was very rarely a point where I felt like the game was. There, so I think every anyone who's played a video game will know what I'm talking about. Where you lose, like you lose at a certain point, you go, "Oh, you game." Oh, just man, screw you, game, or whatever. Because you know it's not your fault. You know something yeah. happened beyond your control. So Uncharted is a good example because on the remaster version I've been playing, there have been times where you do a lot of parkour, jumping from ledges, climbing up, jumping around, yeah. and there have been times where I jump, and for some reason it auto drags me too far away from a ledge and so i just fall to my death and i'm like and i'm like i'm literally like man you video game because i did not jump that direction i don't know what made you think you should auto drag me away from the ledge there's been a lot of games like i i like i felt like that when it came to uh there's a couple moments in uh the newer lower croft games oh tomb raider yeah the newer the yeah. newer one the new tomb raider games yeah there was a couple times in one or two of those that I felt that way. And there's that in a lot of your older games. Yeah. Because you're like, I aimed this direction. Why didn't you have me jump that way? Yeah. And so, using Last of Us as an example, I tried playing... After playing Beating Dead Space on Impossible, I decided to go and play Last of Us on Survivor difficulty, which is its second highest difficulty. Survivor I'm, is... What's the... 
Is it just the highest one? or almost It's like the second highest. Without the die, you start over? No, Last of Us doesn't have that. Oh, Last of Us, my bad. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm getting a game fixed up. So I played Last of Us on Survivor, which is the second hardest difficulty, and the reason for that is because I played it on Grounded before but to get the trophy for it, and I managed to get it, and it was the most miserable experience of my entire life. So I wanted to play it on Survivor because I wanted to see how challenging it was coming back to it after Dead Space, and I gave up after like a couple of hours because I was so... just was so mad at the UI, pretty much. It's sort of, and I was also just really frustrated by decisions they made because... What, the way Last of Us... So, Last of Us is designed, in theory, to be a game where every re, all your resources count. you got to conserve bullets. Your shots have to be precise. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? The problem is, it's a game that wants you to be conservative. It's a game that's structured like Dead Space, where, you know, enemies do move pretty fast, but still, it's still, like, slow. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's still slow, it's still methodical, you can still go about it methodically. It presents itself as that, where it's a game where you're encouraged to conserve your ammo. But when you fight infected, they all run at you at full speed and will overtake you in like two seconds. And there's no like block mechanic when you if you because you can fight them barehanded, but what's hap what will happen is if you're fighting one, it takes you on most difficulties, it takes you maybe four or five punches to take one down. So you go, hit, hit, hit. One, You've been hit three or four times now. Yeah, one hit per second. If you're surrounded. One hit per second is like five seconds to take someone down in melee. And if you're in a room with like three of them, then they've all come around you. While you're taking five seconds to take this one down, the other two are scratching at your back. And if you're on survival or grounded difficulty... You're dead. You're dead. Yeah. And so what you do is, is you say, oh, well, then I guess I should shoot them. But I've only got two bullets, and it takes three to take one down. And so it's like, well... And then there's a clicker behind them, and you can't melee them. If you melee them, you auto-die. So you got to use the bullets on that one. But the, but it takes, like, four bullets to take one of them down. And so, what I'm... It's 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 literally, like, worst-case scenarios. Yeah, it's, it's designed to... I feel like they designed it to encourage you to do... To be to be conservative with your ammo, but the enemies don't allow for that because they're not designed to account for that. Yeah, it's like they designed the entire game around this idea. They just they design the ammo drops, and your ammo drops you get ammo from people you kill and stuff like that. And they design the ammo drops around the idea of you're going to going to be conservative with your ammo while while they were simultaneously designing the enemies to force you to shoot at them, and it just. It just adds up to an experience that doesn't feel ba uh, balanced at all. And it just feels frustrating. And also, on the other side of it, it really frustrates me. Something I like about... Do you know what ludonarrative dissonance is? Never heard that before. So ludonarrative narrative dissonance is this uh, term which refers to, like, the, pl the, the player's experience doesn't match what the game is trying to tell them. Okay. Uncharted is a good example of it because I love Uncharted, and this doesn't bother me. But a common criticism of, of Uncharted is in cutscenes. In cutscenes, Nate will often uh, refrain from killing people if he doesn't have to, so he'll always make the choice to spare someone. Then you go into gameplay and you kill like a hundred people between that cutscene and the next one with without a second thought. And sometimes he's making witty remarks while he's doing it. Okay. So he about he in the cutscenes. He's a he's a well-rounded like he's he's a moralist. In this he's situation. a moralist. He's a 
I don't want to. I don't know if I want to say merciful, but he is a moralist. He will avoid killing if he doesn't reserved. have to. Reserved. Yeah. Reserved. He's he's opposed to killing if he doesn't have to. And then you go to gameplay, and he's a sociopath who kills everyone. He's literally the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an example of ludo narrative dissonance. Okay. Last of Us kind of does give me ludo narrative dissonance, where like I, if you put it on survivor mode, survivor mode, what it does is it cranks up the damage, so you take more damage. And it winds down drop rates, so you get stuff yeah. less often. And so it really takes me out of it when I'm supposed to be in this grounded world. Because Last of Us is supposed to be very grounded in a way that even Uncharted is. And Uncharted is supposed to be like your Indiana Jones sort of, yeah. sort of like really, really like height, like adventure type thing. Where it's like, yes, this is supposed to be about normal people. But come on, it's yeah. an adventure move. It's an adventure story. We're having fun here. Last of Us is supposed to be like The Walking Dead, something super realistic. And it I just can't take it seriously if I'm playing on Survivor and I like sneak up behind a dude, I see him holding a pistol, I choke him out, and I watch the the pistol disappear from the game as I'm choking him out because they're like we can't give you ammo because that would make the game easier because this is the hard difficulty. And I'm like you're taking me out of it. Like b- both because I saw the gun disappear and also because I don't believe that these guys would just be walking around in the zombie apocalypse without ammo. They would have it on them. Now, if if you want to do it right, if I was designing The Last of Us, and I w- part of what I want to do to ramp up difficulty is make enemies spawn ammo less, mm-hmm. I would never have it be that they just drop no ammo. I would just keep winding it well, down. Well, you, 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 honestly... I would I would wind it down. On a level, it'd be like, oh, they only had like two rounds in the gun. Exactly, like two rounds or one round or something like that. But they always have ammo, especially if you see them with the gun. If, you know what? If, if, if they've got a gun, you at least get one. Yeah, exactly. And th- and that just took me out of it when I was replaying it on Survivor. I was like, I can't do this, man. This is it's take every it, every you, single you time. You weren't quote grounded in the experience. Every single time I kill someone, I get yanked out of the game because I see the gun disappear. I see it derez from the. Mm-hmm. from reality and i'm just like man you screw it, you game screw it, you yeah and it, it doesn't feel like the game's giving me a challenge it feels like the game's just it feels like the game's just yanking me around being like oh, oh you want ammo no <laughs> quit giving me hope <laughs> okay so but so back to neil Druckmann. Neil Druckmann. he wrote the last of us got in touch with anita anita sarkeesian after you know, feminazi. Yeah, he's talked in interviews since then. I think, apparently there's a quote from where he said, um, whether you like her or not, you can't deny that she has some good points or something like that. No, she doesn't. And so, and he has since then, I think he said once that after talking to Anita Sarkeesian, it helped him realize how much um, underlying misogyny there was in his writing or something like that. And so, and he, I know there's a quote somewhere, um... Uh, let me see if I can light. Uh, uh, when Druckmann, so right here it says when Druckmann, so actually I'll just read this. Druckmann is a regular advocate of gender equality in video games, citing Anita Sarkeesian as an influence. He presented the Ambassador Award to Sarkeesian at the 2014 Game Developer Choice Awards and regularly advocated her projects. When Druckmann found that he regularly wrote wrote, quote, white, straight, Christian male characters, he was prompted to instead create more diverse characters. That quote is interesting to me because... Joel doesn't seem that way. Well, here's the thing. Nathan so, doesn't seem that way. Well, here's the thing. So Jack. He, 
He's worked on Jack and Daxter. The oh, wait, so wrote. So we only can use these categories. Right? Yeah, so the things he's written are Uncharted and The Last of Us, and that's basically it. And so And neither one of them were white Christian males. I was about to say, I don't I don't interpret I definitely don't think they're white and male, but I got no indication that they're Christian. So when you tack Christian onto that, it just feels like you're hitting a checkbox of like, oh, we all agree in Hollywood that white that being white, male, and Christian is bad. So I'm going to say I'm not doing any of that anymore. It's well, like, I'm white, Christian, male. So therefore, because because white, Christian, male is in the description, all white, male is Christian. Therefore, we can't use that anymore. Yeah. Hasty generalization. Logic fallacy. Yeah, but so since I love using that logic fallacy. <laughs> I love that one. That's my favorite. But so he said all so many people do it so often, I just want to be like hasty generalization. Yeah. Like all human hasty generalization. Yeah, so he <laughs> said all of that and um after that happened, Amy Hennig left Naughty Dog. There Good for her. Well, she would she had she started working on, on Uncharted Four, which would have been amazing if she had done it. And then, and then well, here's what happened. So she left partway through production, and to this day, no one is quite sure if she left or if she got fired. And at, and right after she got fired, Neil Druckmann took over as the creative lead of the of the entire game and the sole writer of it. And that's why the fourth one didn't succeed as well. Uh, here's the thing: I liked I like Uncharted Four. It is an enjoyable game. I don't have a problem with the story. But you look into it. I actually listened to an interview with uh, Sully's voice actor sure. from Uncharted. Um, I listened to it today, and he said the way he described it is it's it, he made it sound like Amy Hennig did not choose to leave Naughty Dog. It was not her choice to leave. And he said that after she left the project or was forced out of the project, he said that everyone, all of the voice actors, him, Nate's voice actor, Nolan North, Elena's uh, voice actor, they all met and discussed whether or not they were going to walk. From the game. And what's interesting is the two reasons he cited for why they didn't leave the project were, one, they were contracted and they would have gotten sued. And two, Amy Hennig asked them to stay on and just finish the game for her. Because she had Good for her. Yeah, exactly. Good for her. But it's interesting because the reasons that he gave were not like we had loyalty to this company or we trusted their vision or anything like that. It was, we didn't want to get sued and Amy asked us to keep going. (laughs) Yeah. So that should tell you something about what... Like, like her character. Like, that tells you a lot about her. Not just her character, but what was probably going on. The fact that the fact that none of them wanted to stay on because of, like... Because they were like, well, it sucks that Amy left, but we still want to do this. The fact that they felt obligated to, yeah. to tell you that whatever... Something was going on. Yeah, something and was... Isn't Naughty Dog no longer a thing? Like, isn't it no now owned by someone else? No, they're still a th- They might be owned by someone, but Naughty Dog is a, as a studio it's still, is still its own entity. Um... Let me just go to Jack 3 because I know it's done by Naughty Dog. Interesting. Yeah, they got parent companies, but oh, they no, do right, still right exist. Here. Boop. 2015. Yeah, but that was Naughty Dog Inc. Now they're Naughty Dog LLC. Oh, okay. So yeah, they still exist, but I they might have they might be owned by a larger company now. Like, let's be honest, Naughty Dog has put out some of the best video games. And some of the worst. Yeah, and some of the worst. Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. But so, Crash Bandicoot is literally the one that Naughty Dog put out that was my favorite. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, and then I, I fear I forget that they did Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, then Jack Three. Yeah, but so so Uncharted Four comes out, and there's a character that gets introduced in that game named um I don't remember. She's voiced by Laura Bailey. Okay, I'll just say Laura Bailey. Are you talking about in Last of Us Part Two? Uncharted Two. Oh, Uncharted, Uncharted Four. 4. Laura Bailey was also in Unchar- in Un- Last of Us Two. Yes, she um, played uh, Abby. Abby adjacent Ellie, the girl who beat Joel to death in the game. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I'm going to connect that back to Anita Sarkeesian when we get to it. So, but so anything un- for Anita Sarkeesian. <laughs> Uncharted Four comes out, and there's a Nadine. That's her name, Nadine, Nadine. Ross. And there's there are two scene there are two fights with her in the game where you play as Drake and you have to fight her, and they're both unwinnable. They're scripted for her to win no matter what. You actually can't land a, land a single hit on her. And people So the Darth Vader fight. Yes, except it's with Nate, a six foot three burly dude like pretty fit dude who's like fighting. He, he, like dude climbs. Dude climbs. Yeah, the dude, dude works out. Yeah, dude um six foot three, like pretty muscular dude. Dude could compete in the CrossFit game. <laughs> Which here's the thing: it doesn't bother me to have an, a, a scripted thing where late where Nate loses no matter what. I'm just pointing out that after the whole Anita Sarkeesian business, he takes Neil Druckmann takes over development of Uncharted Four from Amy Hennig, and there are two separate scenes where Nate has a fight where no matter what you do, he loses in a fist fight to a woman, and she's probably significantly smaller than him, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so. I don't have a problem with that. It didn't bother me in the game. Like, it takes a lot more than that to take me out of a game. It takes like buggy, buggy mechanics yeah. and ammo despawning and dragging me off of a ledge when I didn't even jump in that direction. It takes stuff like that or making Luke Skywalker try to kill his nephew in his sleep if we're talking about writing. It takes a lot to... <laughs> <laughs> sequel trilogy reference yeah. gotta make it in there yeah it's gotta make it in there yeah it takes a lot to take me out and so that didn't take me out in the moment but then when i saw the behind the scenes stuff with anita sarkeesian i was like oh i it makes sense now i understand why this is in here now yeah and it doesn't she, she was a mega troll in my opinion and the thing is this her she created this large series about like problem with uh like sexism and video games and all this stuff yeah i've, I've seen the meme <laughs> no the funniest thing sexism is sexism and gaming the view counts and she's like supposed to be this big prominent figure oh yeah view counts on her channel alone like her highest video was like nine thousand views oof Dude. And that's why you're that's why she's getting propped up by the creator of Last of Us. Like no, literally, like she is being heavily supported. Like they did a Kickstarter or like I yeah. don't remember what it was, maybe an Indiegogo. So she can create a brand new series of episodes and it didn't happen. <laughs> like it didn't get funded. Oh, Sam uh Sam's upset that we're hating on her. Why is Sam upset that we hate Okay, our friend Sam I guess she's getting a shout out. She's she started a podcast and, and she did. I yes. guess we'll we'll shout that out. I guess I don't know the I don't know the name of it. Like she, they did a test episode. I don't know if they like shout out to an unnamed podcast that our friend of ours did that hasn't been released yet. And um, shout out, I guess. Yes, sponsored. We're sponsoring them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing though is she's like, man, I love Lacroix, and we're like, mm, TV static, <laughs> La cringe. Wait, wait, did I get a message from her? Oh. Did she message you? Yes. 
I said, oh, so you like TV static with some flavor somewhere remotely a hundred miles away. To which she gave me a crying emoji, like crying laughing emoji and said yes. Yeah. So what I so Luke, what I sent was um she posted she posted something about LaCroix and how much she likes it, and I responded, We can't be acquaintances anymore. I didn't even give her the honor of friend in that message. <laughs> we cannot even be acquaintances. Yeah, we can't be acquaintances anymore. And then I subsequently sent sent that Based on what I would, my, the conversation I was having with you, I said, I assumed that by the time you finally respond to this, because it usually takes a couple of hours, yeah. I assumed that by the time you finally respond to this, you will have actually tasted something from it. <laughs> <laughs> and her response was, OMG, why y'all hating on me? <laughs> to which she automatically knew the fact that we responded roughly the same amount of time. She knew we were hanging out together. I was just like, okay, whatever. Cool. We're just like, we just hate LaCroix because we're sparkling ice fans. Yeah. I'm going. I'm going to respond. It's the only way to make sure you get better. Hashtag sparkling ice. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to make sure you get good. <laughs> I should. I should have said that instead of get better. Get, ah! get good, scrub. Ah! <laughs> I want to kill myself. Wait, you can edit it. You can edit if she hasn't seen it yet. I think. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna Hurry, hurry, scrub! <laughs> Why did I just get... My phone just vibrated like I got something. Uh, let me edit it, let me edit it. Phone is not letting me edit! You can go to more, I think. No, more at the bottom. The what? option more. Oh, oh, I didn't even see that part. More. Uh, no, forward or copy. Can you delete it? I don't think so. Cringe! I want to kill myself. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> okay, so... I... so so then the Uncharted stuff happens. Then Last of Us 2 comes out. Yes. And Last of Us 2 is where the Anita Sarkeesian stuff actually became super... Like, Woke. No. It, we, we've been awakened to the Anita Sarkeesianisms. Well, that's actually a good way to put it, because no one really talked about the connections between Neil Druckmann and Anita Sarkeesian until Last of Us 2 came out. Yeah. Because Last of Us 2, Joel is a very beloved character. I... Whenever we talk about the TV show, all I talk about is how I wish I saw more Joel. And exactly. I wish I got more you Joel. You got the two minutes of Joel and you were like, oh, this is amazing. Joel. <laughs> it's I, like the crumb off the table. Like, uh, let me see. I'm just going to look up uh, best Sony video game characters. Um, Ellie is one of the top ones. That's cringe. Really? That's, that's not right. Um, iconic. Go for Iconic. 30 most iconic PlayStation characters. Uh, Scroll all the way to the bottom. All the way to the bottom. Aloy's in there! So, Kratos number one, which that is entirely He's fair. Literally, Kratos is Sony. By the way, not just... I, I meant to mention this. I couldn't remember what I was thinking of. It wasn't just the Dead Space... Playing the Dead Space remake that made me go back to The oh, Last of Us and realize like, how like clunk it was. Playing God of War Ragnarok... One of the greatest experiences ever. That is a phenomenal game, both in gameplay and in story. Mechanics. I like cannot that. recommend it enough. There is one thing I will say. There are optional bosses you can do for a trophy called Berserkers. And um, those are cringe. Are they just really hard? Well, some of them are hard in the Dark Souls boss way, which is they're well-balanced, but they're difficult to beat. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Those are enjoyable. Stop. I'll, I'll, I'll look myself in a minute. There's one, there's one particular I'm thinking of right now. 
Um, it is a berserker boss. It's like it's got like boss level health, boss level attack, boss level defense, all of that. It's like a Dark Souls boss. You have sure. to whittle away its health, and they and they, they hit really hard. If you get up to max level as Kratos, your their attacks their attacks will about be even with yours. So you'll about be evenly matched if you're max level and you've maxed out all your gear. Sure. If you've done that. She also spawns in with two shield maidens who float in the air and just spam fireball attacks at you that drain your health. So you're fighting a Dark Souls boss while two others are floating around the arena just... So it's a Dark Souls fight. Leeching your... No. Dark Souls fights are that way. No, I play Bloodborne and Elden Ring. They're balanced better than... Bloodborne is balanced better than this. I said Dark Souls. You've played Bloodborne and Elden Ring. Both of those are not Souls. They're made they're, by the exact. They're very close. They're made by the exact same company yes, in the exact same. But the dude. first Dark Souls game, that's when you know. Okay, sure. Because literally, you spawn in, you walk in this room. There's the jailer. Good luck. If you don't know what you're doing, you die. No, I pl- I played that part of Dark Souls. Now that is one enemy though. This is an enemy who spawns in with two ads whose attacks do the same amount of damage as hers, and they just, like, their job is to just shoot you continually while you try to fight her. Okay. It still sounds like a Souls fight. An early Souls fight. Here's the thing. It is not balanced. Like one or two. It is not balanced at all. That fight in particular, and there's one other Berserker fight I'm thinking of, those two in particular, they were not playtested at all. It is... It was the most frustrating experience. So I can't. I played through the God of War Ragnarok story. It was so great, so much. The game played so well. The game, the story was so good, and I was on such a high. And then, and then I, you got to the berserker. I fights did these. And you were like, ah! I literally did these berserker fights, and I got stuck on that one with the. <laughs> the shield maidens. Yeah, literally, <laughs> literally, she is the Dark Souls boss, and her two shield maidens, which have as much health as her, and you have to kill them. They don't just despawn if you uh-huh. kill her. You have to kill them, too. It doesn't matter what order you kill them in, though. But they've got as as much health as her. Their attacks do as much damage as hers. It's just, they're both, they're both, um, what's the word, ranged, whereas she is not. So they can stay out of your range and just pummel you with attacks, while she's also pummeling you with melee attacks, and it's just a miserable experience. And so I remember I got stuck on that, and I got out of the game, and I hopped on a Deep Rock Galactic with a couple of my friends, and one of them also played Ragnarok. And I just told him in the chat, I was like, I have all, I'm already done with. I told him like I have already started hating Ragnarok. He's like, that was fast. I was like, yeah, it's the it's the Berserkers, dude. I don't know what to tell you. I literally just thought this was the greatest game ever until I fought that Berserker, and now I want to break the game. Yeah. So that is the one thing where God of War Ragnarok, amazing game. That Corey Barlog, the dude who wrote the Nor- the Norse saga, he worked on the first three yeah. games and then he was the creative head behind the Norse sure. games. He deserves to be given a mansion in California that he doesn't have to pay any property or land or any sort of taxes on. Everything, all expenses. Doesn't are, have to pay for any of it. All expenses. Like here's your house. All payments are made all for, payments for the are, rest of your life. For the rest of your life, you can do whatever you want for now. You don't you don't have to work unless you want to. He deserves all of that for the because North he Screens. created all of the God of War yeah. storyline. He also deserves to get kicked multiple times in in the balls for design for letting those berserker fights get so, past the so playtesting stage. Is, so what you're saying is this: we're gonna give this man a mansion. We're gonna allow him to do whatever he wants. Everything's gonna be paid for, but. Every hour, on the hour, he gets kicked in the nuts. No. 
No, the, the Berserker fight isn't that bad. If, 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 if Every day at noon, no, he gets kicked in the No, that would be if the Berserker fight was in The Last of Us. Oh, okay. <laughs> God of War Ragnarok is so good where it's like, no, you just need to get kicked a couple of times and then you're just done. You've you've paid your you've paid your dues. Sir, you get five kicks in the nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you get your mansion. By the big show. You get your mansion and if you choose, if you choose your harem. <laughs> no gosh. <laughs> your shield maidens, per yeah. se. <laughs> Okay, so we were looking at characters, okay? Yeah, so I'm... Which, a- I love the fact they put Aloy at number two from Horizon Zero Dawn. Love it. Ellie, I don't know why she's seven. Joel is number eight. Joel's at number eight. I need to... So, these... I need to see if I can find... Let me see. These are... All the ones that include Ellie include her from The Last of Us Part Two, which means that these are shills. Shills. What's the word shill mean? They... They pretend... Like... They, they're wokest? Yeah, they're woke and they pretend to like again because it's woke. Okay. So when I see a, when I see Ellie on a list and they've got a screenshot from The Last of Us Part 2, I'm like, oh, you don't actually like Last of Us Part 2. You just like that Ellie's gay. So I'm going... I need to find a list. You, you just are like... You're just really happy that uh, she's on there, right? Who, Ellie? Yeah. Here's the thing. I actually like her a lot in The Last of Us Part 1, and I would be okay with her being on one of those lists. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I would be okay with her being on one of those lists. It's just when I see her, when I see a screenshot from The Last of Us Part 2, I'm like, you're wrong. Bro, Troy Baker is more of a Joel than Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he's actually the right age for it. Like, they, they could have just cast him, but um, let's see. He's a voice actor. That's the problem. Dude, doesn't matter. By the way, Troy Baker was the other most famous voice actor for Joker. Besides Mark Hamill? Yep. I don't know. John DeMacchio has voiced the Joker before. Troy Baker did a phenomenal job. Troy Baker was the successor to Mark Hamill. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, if we're going by most famous, like, John DeMacchio is the voice of Bender. Like, he's giving Troy Baker a run for his money in terms of fame. Yes. But what I'm saying is, Troy Baker, like, when you say Joker, you say Mark Hamill. Love say Heath Ledger, and then when it comes to the voice acting world, top two, Mark Hamill, Troy Baker. Was that? Well, I was about to say no. If when you say Dr- Joker, I go through Heath Ledger and Joaquin Phoenix first, then I go to Mark Hamill. That, that Joker's different. <laughs> he, it's still Joker, and Joaquin it is, still but Joaquin still Phoenix still deserves every amount of. Um, I will admit though that that, that is worth it. Uh, do let me see if I can find Joel's. Uh. Unrelatable. I'm trying to find because they have to have included like one of the best video game characters ever list on here. Point. Uh, I, I, I'll go back to the list. They're just talking about uh, Baker. Uh, iconic protagonists. There you yeah. go. Iconic PlayStation. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter like if Ellie's on there. It's just Sly Cooper's on there. That's how you know it's good. Yeah, Sly Cooper, Sly Crash, Cooper, Crash Nathan Nate, Drake, Aloy, Ratchet, Ratchet Spyro, Spyro, Jack, Cloud, Sora, really, Kratos. Okay. You know it's good, though, at that point. Yeah. So I, I can't find like the list that I'm thinking of, but there was a point where every single list that you could find of iconic playstation characters joel was always up there and i think it's gone down because of the remake that's probably well that's probably it like the last of us 2 has probably hurt his stock yes but so what and also the sarkeesianists um 
The Last of Us. When The Last of Us One came out, Joel was one of the, one of the most recognizable protagonists of all time in video games. Daddy Kratos. Well, so this is this here is the five best new characters of the last decade and five old ones that got and by the way i am totally fine in fact i think it's justified to put ellie on these lists too it's just when i see a screenshot from the last of us part two i know i immediately know why she's on there i'm like oh it's not because of her good character it's because it's because the last of us part two is a game that hits all the tech all the right check boxes for video game reviewers okay so here you go so the list we have here is top five, and so it goes five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one, one. And so it's the characters that need to like the characters that were amazing and the characters that need to retire. So like the the first one, number five, is Daddy Kratos. Number uh, five for retire is Sackboy from Little Big Planet. Uh, four is the Hunter from Bloodborne, stole the show. And the Killzone protagonist... Actually, go back up. So, the Hunter from Bloodborne, I would agree if he had a character. But like all soul, but like all Soulsborne characters, he's not a character. Well, there is a, sl- like a slight storyline to those games, though. That's the thing. Oh, that's you. That's, that's yeah, you. Yeah, it's me. Uh, apparently... Wow. What's going on? Uh, so... My friend group that I go to B-dubs with every Thursday, oh, yeah. we have the same waiter waitress every time. Yeah. And apparently she's uh, she's singing in a choir at a thing that my friend's oh. working at, at, a, at an auditorium that my friend works at. And so I'm just sitting here like, bro, she sings? Number, please. Mm, nah. No. Yeah, so the kill zone guys need to go away. Uh, Connor from Detroit become man, uh, become human. Meh. Uh, like they say, it was a good character. Uh, I played it. I don't agree with this one. They say Jack and Daxter needs to go away. Like, well, well, if it's a Naughty Dog thing, then yeah, they do. They Jack and Daxter needs to go away until Naughty Dog has different people working there. Sure, I agree with that. Then they said Spider Man, which was great. Which sure. I agree with the uh, the newer Spider Man games. Of a lot of people say are phenomenal. They're fun to play. Sweet Tooth needs to go away from Twisted Metal. Does Twisted Metal even do anything anymore? Not really. Did Twisted he... Metal hasn't done anything since about 2014. He's already gone away. Uh, by the way, I think Twisted Metal was created by the dude who created God of War. I think so as well. I think they're from the same creators. Uh, then Joel is the number one. With number two, with Ellie. No, yeah, Joel and Ellie. So the thing is, like, they they stole the show. They're Naughty Dogs. Magnum Opus, as they say. Yeah. And the one that needs to go away is the Chimera from the Resistance. Yeah. And so, like, this is what I'm getting at. Like, I don't... Ellie deserves to be up there, too, but... Like, it's Ellie and Joel. Oh, this There is, we go. This is what I was looking for. Like, Ellie's not in the top. Oh, she is number 10. Yeah, she's number but 10. But she's part 2. Yeah, The Last of Us Part 2, because she's a strong whammy. But the then you have, like, two. Laura Croft above her. Good choice. Yeah, so... Because at least she was that. You have Dante from Devil May Cry, but so this Aloy, is, Crash, and Ranker, Solid Snake. Yeah, so Ranker.com is just a, um... I guess it's just something where anyone can vote, it looks like. Yeah. But this would be a good example. And exam- they have top three, Kratos, Nathan, Nathan Drake, Drake, and Joel, Joel Miller. Which, that is actually... If you were to put a gun to my head, 
I've thought about this before. You put a gun to my head and asked me, what are the three most iconic video game characters right now? The three, I would say, I understand Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, all that. They are equally as iconic. But the f first three names that would come to my mind are Kratos, Nate, and Joel. I would drop Nate. Nah. Nate for Master Chief. If if we're going all video games, then sure. If we're going PlayStation... Yeah, for PlayStation, those three. For all, I would still keep Joel. I would still keep Kratos. Oh, dude. I you, would opt in Master Chief. Oh, dude, if you said... If you said... If you ever said boot Kratos, I'd be like... Boy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> dude, by the way, yesterday I, uh, I got... I got... Um, I got um, coffee with one of the guys from our church. I'll sure. tell you who off air. Um, and while we were there, I looked over and there was a dude who walked in with the God of War shirt and had, you know, the, the Omega symbol for God sure. of War. Yeah. But instead of G-O-T, which, or G-O-W, God of War, it just said B-O-Y. <laughs> boy. <laughs> boy. Boy. <laughs> with, the, with the Omega God of War symbol over the O. You're just like, boy. Boy. <laughs> You're like, that guy. That guy. I, He's cool. Apparently, um, when Jacksepticeye... Uh, first started streaming God of War Ragnarok. The way he introduced it is he's Boy! Like, no, the way he, intro he introduced it is all right, guys. We're guys. We're going to be today. We're going to be streaming some more go some more Dad of Boy. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> okay, so I, I feel like we can still keep going on with my topics or whatever. Um, sorry. I need a Sarkeesian. I need to wrap. Yes, we need to finish up the end. I need, need to. I need to wrap up this whole bow, which is so. Then you get to the Last of Us Part Two. Neil Druckmann has made all these comments about how Anita Sarkeesian helped him see all the latent misogyny that was in his writing and how he's going to fix all that. Last he of wrote Us two characters. Last of Us two begins with uh, Joel getting beaten to death by the character Abby within the first hour of the game. Which she's played by Lower Bailey. Yeah, she beats him to death with a golf club. Uh, one of Wait, her Ellie was played by Ashley Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Um, she. Um, so it begins in the first hour with Joel getting beaten to death by Abby with a golf club. And then one of Abby's friends spits on his corpse. And then the game is all about Ellie going to get revenge. And then at the end of the game, she decides to forgive Abby for killing Joel. Wouldn't you call that blatant themology? I, I don't know what that means. Misogyny? About what? Blatant misogyny uh, would be the male version. So blatant femology would be like, oh yeah, it's about women taking over men. That would be misandry, I think. Misandry? Oh, I didn't know what the yeah, word Yeah, the technical was. term for hating men, like the exact the exact opposite of misogyny, which is hatred of men, is misandry. I thought it was Anita Sarkeesian, but whatever. Well, I guess that's the colloquial term. <laughs> yeah, the colloquial. <laughs> but, um, that literally is her job, it seems. But so, now tying all that, so you see in um, The Last of Us Part 2, they're all, to me... It almost feels like there's a certain level of disdain for Joel. The way he gets taken out immediately. Yeah. And then, so, now you go all the way back to the Last of Us TV show. And this is something I've really started to feel very strongly, is Joel is a very different character in the show. It doesn't just come down to Pedro anymore. Like, I, I remember I mentioned on a past comes episode... Down to the writing. I remember I mentioned on a past episode, like, Joel always looks pissed off. Whereas Pedro always looks sad as Joel. Mm -hmm. He's a lot less... Uh, he's a lot less of a brick wall. He's still a wall, but he's like a wall of Play-Doh, I guess. Sure. He's a lot softer. He's still reserved, but he's not as harsh as he was. And you've got all the, the fight scenes where Joel would really shine. You've pared those down. Sure. Or, 
removed them entirely. And you've got the two episodes which focus on Bill and Frank and Ellie and Riley and, and, and like just completely sort of leave Joel on the sideline. And it really feels to me like the, like this TV show is written by someone who is ashamed of Joel in the first game and is trying to correct what he did in the first... Because Neil Druckmann is a co-writer on the TV show. He is heavily involved in it. And it really feels like it's be, this TV show is being written by someone who's like embarrassed that, that, that Joel is who he was in that first game. And they're either editing him to make him softer and make him less of a man's man... Or they're just trying to get away from him entirely whenever Except they can. Except for the two-minute little blurb. Yeah, it, and that's what it feels like. It feels like someone who's who doesn't want to have to write Joel, but they recognize how much Joel is loved, so they keep dipping into that well to be like, this is what people are looking for. Yeah. But they're dipping into it as little as possible before being like, okay, back to what I want to do, which is anything but Joel. Yes. You got Yoel over Joel. Yeah, so. and e- and even with Yoel, they try to get away from him as much as possible and focus on other characters. Sure, especially the fact that they've gone into backstory twice on yeah. two separate Which, episodes. The Ellie and Riley stuff is from the game, but it was a DLC that was made after the game was completed, sure. and they've put that into the narrative. And again, it kind of hurts the pacing of the story, where like you just keep. Two different times in the season, you just completely detour from Joel well, for and me, Ellie's what story. I see is this. like You started out with the Bill and Frank stuff. I'm just like, okay. You've spent 45 minutes on this gay relationship. Yeah. Just, you spent 45, relation, 45 minutes on this relationship. It's not pertinent to the... Storyline. So yes, if I'm go- so if I can be super charitable to them, it is relevant on a thematic level. Yeah, it's it's relevant on a level of, and I didn't. This it, is this for is me. Of, it's one of those things where you give like a 15, 20 minute blurb. Yeah, it could have been quicker, but the idea of it is, it's showing you Bill and Frank, and Bill and Frank are sort of what Joel keeps missing out on, which is his daughter died. Uh, he's got well, his daughter died. His girlfriend Tess died in the episode before that. So, and this is a relationship that worked out, whereas Joel's relationships haven't been working out. Well, and let's, actually, let's reference the hierarchy. And here. actually, can I, I? I do want to give that episode some credit. That episode has one of my favorite scenes in the show. Sure. The at the end of the episode, so Joel he's got his partner Tess, who it makes clear in the TV show. It's implied in the video game, made clear in the TV show that she's his girlfriend. She dies because she gets bitten. Um, right before they get to Bill and Frank. Sure. So Joel loses her. And a, a scene that I actually really like, that obviously was not in the game because Bill was still alive in the game, whereas he was dead at this point in the TV show. Sure. So they, But he left after, before he killed himself because Frank was dying. Bill left Joel a note basically saying, all my ammo, all my guns I've got because he was a doomsday prepper. Sure. I'm leaving all that to you. And he has this long letter where he's just saying, I'm leaving all this to you. I never liked you, Joel, but I do respect you, all, yada, 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 all that stuff. And so Joel is actually having Ellie read that to him because he is kind of upset that for, that Bill's dead. So Joel's like, read that to me. And she's reading through it. And Ellie gets to the end. She goes, take care of And she just stops and looks at Joel. And Joel like looks over. He goes and he grabs the letter looks at it. And what it had written there was, take care of Tess. Mm. And he just stares at it. And then just crumples it up and walks outside. And he just stands there, just staring off at the horizon, just yeah. like, like getting him, like, like getting emotional, obviously, because yeah, like, he couldn't. 
Yeah, trying to hold it. And that, I actually did really like that scene of just yeah. Bill assumed that Tess would still be alive when Joel read that. And Joel read it and she was dead. And Joel just reads it. And he's like, I messed up. And if, aside from the thematic element of Bill and Frank are what Joel wants. Yeah. A relationship that works out, be it with a daughter or with a girlfriend or anything in between. There's also that really good payoff of, you could argue that that's where Joel affirms his commitment to Ellie, whereas it turns from an obligation, it turns from a job to an obligation of, I messed up with Tess and I messed up with my daughter, but I'm going to do right with this one. And so what I want to reference is this, okay? Yeah. So we have this massive development of Frank and Bill, okay? And this massive development, it's a 45-minute blurb, you would say? Uh, so the Bill and Frank section is probably about 45 to 50 minutes, and there are, there are like 10 minutes of Joel and Ellie at the beginning and at the end. Okay, so it took 45 minutes to really expound, expound on this um, this relationship. Yeah. And try and get you to love these two characters and really see this stuff. Okay? And it worked. Lots of people love that episode. True. I'm going to reference a movie. In the movie... Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. No, no, sadly. We are sex, my mom! Yes, I understand. One, two, three, four! Exactly. That's got such good music. Dude. Yes. So, the, the thing I'm referring to is the movie Up. In the first three minutes, uh, you, you, you show the relationship. Oh, no. But see, here, here look. No. You, listen, Luke, listen. Luke, that's not fair. That's a good movie. No, here's what I'm saying. Is Luke, this. that's not fair. You're comparing good writers with Neil Druckmann. Here's what I'm saying is this, okay? You can, you can expound upon a relationship, show how good it is, show how caring it is, how much the individuals love each other. Like five minutes. It was three. It was three minutes. Yeah. They created this amazing relationship and they had women crying in three minutes of a movie. I mean, to be fair, women cried everything. True. But at the same, <laughs> but at the same time, what I'm saying is... I mean, we... You can... To be, to be fair, we made Sam cry by making fun of LaCroix. I don't know if we made her cry, but... I, I'm going... My head is that we did... Uh, to each their own. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you could literally my, create my, a relationship. My truth. And, yeah, your, your quote truth. This is not our truth. This is not the communist Yes, it truth. is. Our, this is our, not the communist truth. Our truth, comrade. <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't expect. Most people just expect. This has nothing to do with business. <laughs> most, most people, when they think of communism, think of your stuff being taken away. No, my communism is I force you to share what I have. <laughs> My opinion is yours now. Wait, Conrad. What, what Disney? Ha <laughs> 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 I'm a <laughs> yeah, So what you can see is they could actually establish a relationship, get you to care about the characters, and ruin the relationship for you in a matter of three minutes. Whereas in order to really make you like Bill and Frank, they had to do 45 minutes. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I understand that relationship is probably an important thing to put in there. And for it being a TV show, I'd give it 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Really kind of establish it. Like, give you a couple set of scenes or whatever that really, really put the point forward that Bill and Frank really love each other. Yeah. You don't have to have all the extra fluff. <coughs> <coughs> 
Yeah. But to really dive that hard into a season, first two episodes, really solidify things, and then detach you entirely from those characters that you've really, really grown to love so you could talk about two other ones for 45 minutes and then come back to it. Yeah. It really is a roller coaster ride that most people can't deal with. And it really it really does get back to what I'm talking about. Or like you look at who they were talking about casting cuz I'm remi- I was reminded of this cuz I saw an article about it recently. Yeah. Um like their choice to play and this was actually coming from um the act the voice act one of the voice actors from the video game who played Joel's brother Tommy. Okay. In the game, he was talking about how he was sort of because he knows Neil Druckmann personally. He was in, and he knew very early on that Neil wanted to, because Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, and uh, Jeffrey Pierce, the guy who plays Tommy, they're all in the TV show. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Joel's going to be in the Troy Baker's going to be in the next episode. Ooh. He's playing one of the cannibals that. Uh, Actually, that's a good role for him. I, I think like, I feel like he'll do a really good job because of the fact he can contort his voice as well as he can, it'd be great. Yeah. Um, but, so... He really does have a really impressive Excalibur. Walk. I forgot he was Excalibur. 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 <laughs> but so, but so, um, it really... I'm going to California. Going to California. Excalibur. <laughs> but so, like, apparently... At some point in the development process, I think back when it was still going to be a movie, they were kicking around Matthew McConaughey as a name for Joel. I wouldn't have. Liked he would have been great. I don't compared think so. to Pe- Pedro. I mean, he would have been a slight improvement, but like, so you you go from Pedro Pascal, who's like probably the best choice you could get if you're not going to cast a white actor to play this white character. Sure. You'd go from that to possibly the worst choice of a white actor to play him. So it's kind of. A I wouldn't say worst choice. He can he can get the you can have the guy playing Mario right now. He Chris Pratt. He beats no. He'd be too young, but he's got the physique. The problem with well, that, you could you can age him probably. Well, what I'm getting Matthew McConaughey doesn't have the physique. He's too reedy to ple- to be Joel. True, he's not. Yeah, Joel. Enough. Joel. Whereas so, your uh, Nikolai guy. Well, Nikolai, I think he looks a lot like Joel, but. Back when I originally played The Last of Us years ago, yeah. and lots of people felt this way too, so many people thought he looked like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. Like, Hugh Jackman would be my ideal for Joel. Yeah. I just know it would be hard to get him for a TV series. Well, the, the thing also is, I feel it'd be really hard for people to be like, oh yeah, this is Joel, because they'd be like, Logan? Hello? This is Logan. This is Logan. We literally just saw him, like, what, five years ago? This is Logan. Dude, it doesn't matter, like... Dude, when I see low, dude, when I see Hugh Jackman, I like I Hugh see Jackman. Yeah, I see an even mix of Wolverine and Joel. Like I see him as Joel. I can see it. Like yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I see it. So uh, I know what you're talking about completely because he's <coughs> jeez. So uh, I'm just pu- I'm just yeah. pulling up that image right there. Yeah, yeah so that's that Joel. Image right there versus Joel Miller. Uh, gosh, right there. Yeah, uh, so that's the remastered versus the remake. Yeah, uh, let me. I'm trying to find one from the remastered, from the remastered part one, uh, not the remake, because I don't like how he looks in the remake at all. Oh, here it is. So this is pretty good. So there's Joel in the remaster. Oh, that's low quality though. Yeah. But there's Joel in the remaster, <clears throat> and there's Hugh Jackman's. Like, it looks like they may have modeled Joel after Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it really does.
Yeah, like that there a little bit. Yeah, but so like, I I would I maybe other people would have a problem, but I would I would have no problem seeing Hugh Jackman as Joel. <laughs> but um, so where's it going with this? We were talking about. Uh, Troy Baker being oh, in the show. Oh, um, the, the other guy. Um, so I don't know how seriously they consider Matthew McConaughey, but multiple sources, including one of the, um, including Jeffrey Pierce, the guy who played mm-hmm. Joel's brother, um, have said that the name that kept coming up that they apparently wanted for Joel before they set, settled on Pedro Pascal was Mahershala Ali. <coughs> Oh, yeah, that guy. So this guy for Joel, which is an African-American actor. And that goes back to what, like... It he was, was in... What movie was he It really feels to me, when you see how they, they have... They have legitimately char- characterized, written Joel to be a different person in the TV show. Yeah. He's soft, they've changed his personality. And when you see that, like, they were considered... It seems like very early on they just disqualified white actors from playing him. It really feels like... That's where I know him from. He was Boggs and... Okay. It really Hunger Games. It really feels like they were looking for every every possible opportunity to just re- redo Joel entirely and make him a different character. Yeah. Well, it literally sounds like they're just trying to like if we don't like Joel, he's the like ugly stepchild that we're trying to erase from our stuff. Like, yeah, life. It, it it feels like cuz Neil Ju- again Neil Druckmann's working on the series. It feels like this is a character I wrote before Anita Sarkeesian taught me that th- that I was a sexist. And now I'm and now I'm embarrassed that this character exists. So yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to correct what I did. Yeah, completely. So yeah, I. By the way, oh oh my god! Uh, give me a second. Give me a second. Watch, watch. <laughs> no, not that. Not that. Watch. Okay. Go to there. Go to there. Go to there. Go to there. Look at that. Joel and Ellie. Last of Us. Yeah. We're, we're looking at a screenshot of oh yeah of Hugh Jackman with his X twenty three girl X twenty three with his. With and they're in clone. a. It looks like they're in a truck. Yeah, yeah, they're in a truck, dude. Logan was. A, you said you've not seen Logan. Mm-mm. We need to correct that. That's a phenomenal movie. I'm aware of that. Logan is the. Le- Why have you not seen it? You just haven't taken the time to watch it. We're gonna watch it at some point. It's a phenomenal movie. Anyway, we can now we can move on to your next topic because I'm all Last of Us. <sighs> and on that note, I truly believe this episode's been great, and I feel like this is a really good stopping point. Yeah. So. With that being said, uh, thank you for tuning into this episode. We are yeah, we we are going to be cutting this up, so you're going to get multiple episodes out of this. Yeah, and just like last time, we are recording this outro explaining that we're cutting it into two episodes twice, and we nailed it each time. Amen. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Uh, oh, oh wait, wait, wait. But I thought it was three times. Dude, you remember it's like this some sort of like 4D chess thing or whatever. Did I? I don't. I don't even know if you can uh, 3D chess that. I don't know. Whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway. So. Uh. So anyway. Do you have any closing words to make it feel like an actual uh send off? May all your babies be born naked. No, not that. Something better, please. That's what my grandpa used to tell me all the time. He's like. <laughs> He would be like, "Well, may all your babies be born naked." You just think about it there for a second. It's like, "Well, I hope they are, because if they're born clothed, there's a problem yeah, here. Just, there's a glitch in the matrix." Just uh, do do an outro, please. Oh, uh, thank you all for coming in. 
to this episode. Uh, yeah! I appreciate it. Yeah! Hold on. I need to do it from back here. Thank you all for coming into this episode. Yeah! <laughs> we appreciate everything you've done for us. Woo! And may you come back next week for another fine episode. Yeah! Yeah! This has been... The Toilet Paper Hoarders. I'm a man!